You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you. We're going to talk about Supergirl Season 4. But before we do that, let's meet our guests for this week. First up, you know him as the guy from the Satellite of Love. He's got little tiny arms, and he's also going to voice the Watcher, and that is my buddy, Mike Nelson. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. <laughs> so, yeah, there was the news this weekend that you're going to voice The Watcher. I, I tell you, it was a big secret because Marvel was really close to those. And, I mean, Nathan, as you're one of my favorite people to talk to, I want to tell you so much, but Marvel watches Facebook. Mm. They watch your Facebook mess. They are, they're, they are Big Brother. But I love them still, if they're listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so getting to be a Marvel superhero is is great. I'm getting that Marvel money. I'm well, it. not even a superhero, a cosmic being. Look, my ego, my manager told me not to do that because my ego is too big. I'm trying to just go with superhero. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so for those who don't know, but I don't know how you don't know at this point because Mike's been on so many episodes, we've talked about it. <laughs> he is the spitting image of Jeffrey Wright. If you like had the two of them together in the same room, you'd think you were seeing double. I don't know how. But at, apparently when I turn 30, I look like Jeffrey Wright now. So. Right. so much so that you even fool your mother, which I think is God. hilarious. My friends, my friends never let that Facebook post down. They never let it down. But I have a, I have a Comic-Con coming up in two weeks here in Columbia, the Soda City one. And when it was announced that Jeffrey Wright was going to be voicing The Watcher, I'm like, oh, my God, I have the perfect cosplay. I'm going to cosplay as Jeffrey Wright cosplaying as the watcher <laughs> it's beautiful so now i just have to try and get the watcher costume built in two weeks there you go it's good to have life goals yes <laughs> never made cosplay before ever so just like you grab a toga and a big something in the back of the head i'm, I'm good okay yeah yeah that's that's how simple it is mike that's right <laughs> i'll let my wife know that you said that that's all you need to do <laughs> Oh, don't do that, please. She has a broken foot. She'll get, She'll put that foot in my butt. <laughs> yeah. So, as always, I have to comment on the fact that you have an amazing geek pedigree because your name is also Mike Nelson. Yes. And, you know, uh, a while back you promised that you'd be making some bots. So, uh, where have you come on uh, that project? None. <laughs> I'm Absolutely telling you, none. I will do my first video podcast if you make bots. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't put that in the ether. <laughs> I, I that that would get me to break down on my thing of, you know, like no one needs to see us. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, fellas. Now I got to do it. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, everybody else in the 42 cast. This is happening. <laughs> Pray you're not on that show. So when I used to go to uh, Otakon, uh, which is an anime con in Maryland, they used to have what they called Mystery Anime Theater. And it was funny as you went like year after year because it progressed from where like they had like these third rate like bots where they weren't even trying to imitate like MST3K. There was like one of them was called Pocky of all things. <laughs> and they were these pathetic little things. And then like by the time they stopped doing it, because I don't know if they got a cease and desist or what, but eventually they stopped doing it. But like the last couple of years, they had like full like recreation, like Tom Servo, Crow, Gypsy, you know, it was it was kind of amazing to see. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think the plans are out there if you like want to Google search, like they tell you how to build them. So. Will do. <laughs> so now that I've been talking about nonsense, uh, what's been going on for you, Mike? Uh, not so much. I got the Nintendo Switch uh, for Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. I beat that in a day. Uh, great story, jaw dropping stuff because it was a it was great graphics, great gameplay. Uh, the boss fights in that game were uh, were pre were basically were causing my stream my stream viewers anxiety because. The three computer players were dead. I'm still alive as Ghost Rider. I have maybe a sliver of health left, and I'm fighting this boss for like five plus minutes, not dead yet. And they just like, how did you do this? I'm like, I'm an MMO raider. This is nothing. I spent four hours dodging stuff. Ah, but it was a fun game. I uh, the story was short, but its replayability is replay the story over and over again, so you can unlock uh, character skins. Uh, do this Infinity Travels thing where it's like a quick five-minute trials just to do certain achievements, and you get more costumes. So it's holding me over right now until uh, until the next thing comes out next month. And I have to say, I love the Switch. I might not play many games on it, but just to, just for a tech, technological point, it is outstanding. Yeah, I thought you were like a PC-only guy. PlayStation 4 and Xbox that certainly do collect dust. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, the Nintendo Switch, like, when... It really didn't dawn on me how awesome it was until I just had it in my hands at my desk playing a game, and then I was like, oh my god, I have a headache. I went to go lie down, and I'm still playing it. And it, once I was laying down and finished the match, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, where am I at right now? I'm laying down comfortable playing a video game in my hands, and that's the same game I play on PC. Oh, this is just amazing. It was, uh, it was just great. Oh, nice. All right. So anything else going on? Have we finally convinced you to go to Dragon Con? There's no convincing. Like, I want, I would love to <laughs> Wait, go. I saw you just make a post that like, screw your lack of budget. You were going anyway. That's only if I can drag Christina too. Oh, okay. That's a duo okay. ship right there. Cause we gotta go see the magician cast. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you ship yourself and Christina. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope that happens. Thank you. <laughs> I just meant you coming because, you know, yeah. this is like my one chance to see everybody. So everybody has to come to Dragon Con so I can see everybody. I'll probably go to Dragon Con. I just won't, like, go inside it. I'll just be, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll meet you outside in the community. You're just going to, like, hang out, like, staring longingly at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure to take some selfies if you do that. I want to see that. <laughs> Like, this right here is the hotel for registration. This is the hotel for panels. Like, it's great. 
Oh, man. It's good to have you back on the show, Mike. It's good to be back. Uh, next up, streaming to us from another part of Earth Station One in his very own Tiki Hut is our very own Mike Gordon. How are you doing, Mike? Howdy. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's good. always good to have you back on the show. Absolutely. It's uh, fun fun to talk about. Well, yeah, I guess we can't talk about Gotham anymore, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll always have Supergirl. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what's been going on, Mike? Well, uh, you know, um, over at the Earth Station One, um, you know, we've been just reviewing movies and shows like mad. There's been mm. so much stuff coming out this summer that's been keeping us pretty pretty busy. Yeah, no, I always see the uh, the podcast episodes every week. Makes me feel jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's you know the crazy thing is like every time i'm like all right i got it everything's good and then some new like weird crazy thing happens like my wife breaking her foot so you know yeah well life happens and that's why that's why you have to get yourself a favor (laughs) i've tried (laughs) i tried i know they're hard to come by (laughs) but it's worth the investment that's true (laughs) yeah there's all that those maintenance costs yeah well <laughs> All right, so yeah, any anything else going on? Any preparations for Dragon Con or anything like oh, that? Oh yeah, well, I mean, Dragon Con is almost upon us, right? It's about a month and a half away, so yeah, I'm I'm starting to freak out a little bit, uh, mainly because I don't have a room. So, uh, so we'll see. I might be I might be along with Mike staring at the hotel from the outside. <laughs> um, I mean, I can actually go in, but uh, <laughs> then but I won't be able to sleep in there. So, so. so wait, you don't have a room? Is that because you had the Sheridan, as, as or did you not even book anything? <laughs> No, no, not uh, not be. Well, although that has made acquiring a room a little bit more challenging. Mm. Uh, so um, hopefully that all gets resolved because that's going to be a, a major factor uh, this year if that if that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. But they're they're like upping the count of people who have gotten sick from staying at that hotel. So uh, doesn't sound too good. Well, I think it's six. Yeah, and oh. no fatalities. So well, you know. yeah, no fatalities. although i've been saying that someone needs to cosplay as the guy from monty python with the bring out your dad (laughs) i can just like walking around the sheridan (laughs) if they're allowed to walk around the sheridan yes so yeah hopefully you'll be able to find a room because otherwise that'll make the con very uncomfortable yeah yeah i mean i live you know 45 minutes away or so but uh so it's not terribly difficult but uh it, it's so much easier when you stay down there mm. and you sort of immerse yourself in the experience no do you or do you live somewhere where you can like walk to a train station and be down no not at all, all. Oh, okay no. <laughs> <laughs> all right so, <laughs> so it's not that so, easy and, and even driving to a train station is just like i should just drive on in right gotcha all right. Well, it is good to have you back on the show. Mike. Thanks, man. All right. And finally, he is the guy that hates Pluto. He is the guy that just has, always has to bring us down. That is uh, Ryan Guthrie, my nemesis. How are you doing, Ryan? <laughs> you know, I don't want to give uh, Pluto an inflated ego or anything like that. I barely even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. No, uh, I'm doing great. And I think everyone's missing... Uh, what could be a golden opportunity here. I'm just saying, yeah, sure, there's going to be some yellow tape and probably, you know, a tent up over the shirts and whatever. <laughs> but I'm thinking cheap rooms. You know? <laughs> 
Yeah, you can just like go. You can break inside. You know, just stay in one of the rooms there. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm thinking the money you'll save. You know. Yeah, I don't really know much about Legionnaire's disease. It doesn't sound really good, and it's some sort of infection in your lungs. So. Yeah, that's why you have two. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, odds are, you know, there's an incubation period, so you probably won't be sick at the con. It'll be after exactly. the con. Exactly. And here's the great thing about it, right? <laughs> If you do pick it up in the hotel and then you bring it to the other hotels, you just make 70,000 of your closest friends sick as well. <laughs> your patients, <zero>. your... <laughs> exactly. <you know. laughs> oh, wow. And, and celebrities, too. You'll just be... <laughs> it's like whole shows grind to a halt. You'll just be like, oh, the power that I have. <laughs> I mean, you talk about... Living in infamy, you will. Your name will be known. <laughs> well, you know, just don't tell anyone that you were the one that broke into the chair and yeah. stayed there and got everybody else sick. I expect the CDC would probably figure out sooner or later, like when you're in the hospital or something like that. You know, but yeah, yeah, worth it. Still worth it. That's what's, that's what's important here. You know, Ryan's onto something. Thank you. <laughs> it's less lines for the celebrities. It's a win, win, win. Oh, wow. (laughs) But yeah, Mike, you know, because you're on a budget, that might be what you should do. You can meet meet those guests that you wanted to meet. I'm certainly a Legion fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. It's a good show. It's a good show. Yeah. The funny thing, I was looking for a Legion gif that what I was thinking more like Roman legions, and it showed me a bunch of gifs of the David Haller character from the show Legion. So, you know, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, <clears throat> anything uh, anything new and exciting going on for you, Ryan? Not really. I'm in between gigs right now. Uh, so I guess I'm on sabbatical for two weeks uh, <laughs> until my new job starts. So I really I'm just kicking back. I haven't shaved in a little while. It's a uh, it's great. So, so you timed it so that you quit your old job and still had a little bit of time until your new job. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. There, There's a. Um, it's not funny, but uh, over the, the past weekend, my wife had a, a family emergency with her brother up in Fort Worth. And so literally my um, last day of work, I had to leave early. <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh. So I, I, I kind of enjoyed that a little bit, you know. Uh, it might have burned some bridges, but oh well. As long as you never <laughs> have to work there again, you know. I mean, that's true. What are they going to do, fire me? You know? I mean, right. <laughs> Sorry, family emergency. Got to leave a couple hours early. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have believed me either, but it happened to be true in this instance. Yeah. But, Something uh, yeah. similar to that happened to me once, but it wasn't my last day of work, but it was during my last week where I had a thing where I had to leave because of a situation with the family. And I was just like, look, I realize that this is going to sound like bogus, but yeah. I have to leave early today. You know, I mean, on the bright side, I had the sick hours, I guess. I don't know. You know, um, I don't know if I'll get paid for it or not. Uh, and honestly, it's, I want to get paid for it, but right now it's not first on my mind. I've just, I, I slept so much yesterday and it's just uh i'm taking a few days to recover and then next week next week nathan there might be some podcasts shared and posted on my uh website okay awesome now but i'm what i'm really waiting for is when you say that you're ready to edit some podcasts 
Well, you know, that's, that's getting there. Baby steps. You know? <laughs> Got to stick my toe in and see how the water feels. You know? Yeah, you're all talk. <laughs> that's why I'm on a podcast. You know? <laughs> ah, touche. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. Right? Good to be back. <laughs> I say with resignation. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this week we're not going to do a traditional five-minute controversy because... I didn't really see anything really all that controversial, but what I did want to talk about really briefly, everybody just pick one thing you want to mention from the Marvel announcements that you're really looking forward to. Don't mention all the announcements. <laughs> everybody pick one. Ryan, why don't we start with you? What is one thing that Marvel announced over this last weekend that you're really excited about? Hmm. Well... I'm excited about all of it, but, you know, uh, one singular thing. Yeah. Probably. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, this is sound weird, but I'm going to say um, Wanda uh, and Vision. V- Vision, what is it? Scarlet Witch and Vision or whatever the name yeah, of the series Wanda is Vision called. is what they're calling Wanda it. Vision. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Because I, I have a theory about that one on how it's going to shake out. Um, you do, know, because do you want to share your theory? Well, I will gladly share my theory. That's, I'm here to opine. Okay. So this is just for you, you know, and all oh, and your many, many listen, listeners. Right. <laughs> yeah. The legion of listeners. The legion. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all coming back to legion. Uh, no, I'm just my theory. You know, there are people saying, oh, it's got to be flashbacks and stuff like that. But I'm thinking it's going to go more along the lines of uh, Wanda got her powers from the Mind Stone. The Mind Stone is obviously what, you know, created vision to begin with so i'm thinking she's just gonna she's gonna rebuild legion she's gonna or uh, legion there they go we do it. she's gonna build build a new vision and use her abilities maybe to the point where she's completely diminished or whatever to bring him back to reboot him of course with no memories of their previous relationship or anything like that uh which is very similar to what was done in the comics at one point sure. so i just think that yeah i think they're just gonna reboot it like that interesting but what do you say to their reports that it's gonna take place in the 1950s yeah, I don't see how that uh, I, that rumor. I, I saw that rumor, and I just don't see how that makes sense. I mean, it's possible, I guess, but uh, okay, <laughs> I have to see it to uh, understand that one. Yeah, right I'm now, still I, just yeah. weirded out by the whole WandaVision thing and how it's all going to like work if it's really set in the. Unless it's like some sort of fever dream, and like most of the series is like you know this sort of weird 1950s era thing, but that really it's not, you know, and you find yeah. out it's like somebody's like overlaying some uh, you know like something onto the, what's really happening or something I don't know or they do one of those things like they did um, like with the Cyclops and Phoenix comic book or whatever where Wanda and Vision get sent back to the 50s for the, the length of the series and then get brought back and bam Infinity War begins you know or something like that mm-hmm. they, and they're in Glasgow that was their last day coming back from the 50s you know yeah. okay yeah, we'll have to see how that all shakes out. But okay, that's an interesting one. Yep, one division. Um, Mike Nelson, what is one of the things from the Marvel announcements that you're really looking forward to? Uh, it's Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. It's Doctor Strange. Yeah. And the reason is because I remember, I believe it was uh, Guillermo del Toro who originally wanted to do the Doctor Strange movie for Marvel. And 
with with uh, Del Toro, he wanted he wanted Doctor Strange to not be a part of the overarching Marvel universe. He wanted Doctor Strange to be exactly what he really is in the comics, and that's at the barrier between the reality and everything else. He was the stopping force of everything magical that's coming to destroy us and coming into this multiverse of madness. I got that same feeling that they're, that Del Toro is getting a little bit of a spice put into this movie, okay. and so the, and and that's what I'm really hoping for. Especially now that we've it's been already announced that Nightmare is going to be the villain, yeah. And this movie is going to be a horror ass. It's like, can we get like Del Toro to be a uh, like uh, a producer or something? Like, bring I'm I'm the director uh, who did the last one. He's going to do a fantastic job. Absolutely love it. But I'm pretty sure Del Toro can bring a little of his. Uh, Del Toro spiciness into it, make it real hard. Like, oh god, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, uh, although I'm not sure they're really segregating Doctor Strange off as if he's in his own universe, because yeah, Scarlet Witch is going to be in it too. So, well, I mean, you gotta have madness. You can't go without the crazy lady. (laughs) Oh, good point. Good point. Um, But yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange. I thought it was just about perfect. Um, so I'm really excited for number two and what they're going to do with that um, and, and, you know, how they're going to shake things up. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. But, um, you know, people people making these things, it's okay. You don't need to have a love interest in this story. <laughs> Doctor Strange needs no love. Right. love yeah, the, the Rachel parts. McAdams character in the first one was kind of like, did we really need her? She yeah. she she was the grounding effect that he well, really and, needed to bring it back. And that's what I and that's what I came up to eventually was you needed him to have a friend to like yeah. sort of be like the the human side of his life. It didn't have to be a woman, it could have been a guy, but whatever. Get a dog. Now, you know, like we can kind of move beyond that and we don't you know, we don't need a love interest in this next movie. It's okay. Because it just seemed kind of forced to do, like, the whole thing where they kiss, you know, to, before he goes off to the final battle and everything. I don't know. It just... We didn't need that aspect, so... Um, but, uh... Just, but, just yeah. love love, Nathan. Just love love. Unless they want to... Unless they want to introduce Clea, and then I'm all about it. But, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. But uh, that's a good choice, uh, Mike. And uh, now on to our other Mike, Mike Gordon. What is something uh, from their announcements that you're really excited for? I'm excited for Thor Love and Thunder. Even though it's uh, Taika Waititi again? Uh, even though it's Taika Waititi again. Um, yes, um, I, I... Look, I, I know that um, I'm probably one of the, um, one of the folks that... Uh, maybe thinks of the third one third Thor movie as my least favorite but that doesn't mean that I think it's bad Amen. I just um, I just think that um, uh, some of the tone on some of the scenes was not correct um, but uh, I'm very excited to see him uh, continue and uh, more importantly I'm really excited to see uh, and yeah because the, for the first two movies I thought Natalie Portman as Jane Foster was a big big um uh, character uh and and i thought that uh seeing her return is a big surprise Mm. in thor 4 and the fact that she is uh going to wield the hammer is pretty pretty outstanding i mean i know there's a precedent for it in the comics and i'm just really keen to see how they're they're going to play that up um as a joke uh, 
I am, uh, well, possibly, but um, I think, you know, there could be some some uh, seriousness to it as well. Well, that's my problem, is it's like, I would love for, I, I love the idea of what they're doing, I would want just about any other director to do it, and like, actually give it some drama, because it's just gonna be a bunch of cheap jokes again, and I'm not sure that I really want that for the one where they have, you know, Jane become Thor, but... Well, that Let's one see. is that one's that one's a better one to choose than the one where oh I don't know Asgard gets wiped out. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so where Ragnarok actually happens, like right, right. that was the big mistake. Um, yeah. I don't see anything in this one becoming like you know that that's going to be that serious. But I mean we'll see. You know, um, uh, you know I'm 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 hopeful. Let's put it that way. Um, I like the fact that uh, and, and the fact that this is going to be released. Before Guardians 3 uh, tells me that Thor is probably not going to be in Guardians 3, which I'm just very much okay with. Um, uh, I, I sort of worried at the end of um, uh, Endgame that maybe Thor would become uh, an Asgardian of the galaxy. Um, and uh, I, I, I was kind of worried the dynamics there were going to be uh, so, sort of off. But um, it looks like, and that could still, that could still happen. But um, I, I like the fact that no, no, Thor is going to have to have his own little adventure before then. Yeah. All right. No, that's uh, that's definitely another interesting one. I'm really curious how much Natalie Portman can actually bulk up. <laughs> I know she said she was going to. I think she said <laughs> right. she's going to get jacked is the exact quote. But uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. I know some you know actors in Hollywood have really bulked up for these superhero roles. So uh, we'll see. But I just she, she's so slim. <laughs> You know, I just never thought of her as being, like, bulked up. Although I, they, I think there'll be some CG involved. Yeah, maybe. Or they could always do the thing of, like, when you actually have the hammer, you transform into a completely different-looking person. That's true, too. <laughs> right? So, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, um, Doctor Strange was taken, which was probably my actual choice. But uh, what I'm going to talk about is Black Widow because we've known this was coming for a very long time, but the internet wisdom was always that it was going to be like the Black Widow recruitment story for S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, that Budapest was going to be involved taking that, you know, line from the first Avengers movie. And A, I never wanted them to show Budapest because I thought that no matter what they do, it'll never be as awesome as what you're imagining in your head. And B, just the idea of doing, like, her recruitment story, especially with as young as she would have had to have been, and then, like, aging down Scarlett Johansson and everything else, it just seems like, eh, I don't really care. Uh, now we found out it's going to be between Civil War and Infinity War, and I'm a lot more interested uh, in the story that they're going to tell now. Um... Because I always felt like they never capitalized enough on Civil War because they were so, you know, they were rushing headlong into Infinity War, so they were never able to really do much with it other than uh, in Season 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so I'm glad there's going to be another movie in there that's going to uh, be post Sokovia Accord. So uh, I'm kind of excited um, about what they're going to do. And even though it's kind of sad knowing that Natasha is going to, you know, nothing too major can happen because she dies, you know, in, in, uh, in Endgame. Um, you know, it, 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 I think it's a little more interesting and they might be able to do more that will carry over into other movies, even if it doesn't carry over into Black Widow. So I'll, I'll be interested to see that one. But all right, yeah. Um, 
I guess the other big one uh, that none of us talked about, even though it's not really an announced as far as a date, was that they're doing a new iteration of Blade. Why'd you have to bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> because that came out of left field, right? Because, you know, we already knew all those different TV shows were coming that they announced. And we already knew most of these movies. I think, uh, you know, Thor Love and Thunder was the biggest surprise on the movie side. But then they announced, you know, the Blade movie, and it was just kind of like, what? <laughs> so, Mike, why are you saying why'd I have to bring that up? What, what, what upset you there? I don't like Blade. Oh, okay. Well, I, if you don't so, like Blade, yeah, I mean, it's nothing that they do is going to, you know, work for you with Blade. So, and also my thing is that now I'm with the rest of the internet. It's like, so are we just acknowledging that Luke Cage is no longer canon? Are we just... I mean, I know the movies never acknowledge the TV shows, but the TV shows acknowledge the movies at least. This is not the first time we've had an actor that has had two different roles in the MCU because... Um, From Luke Cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mariah uh, was in Civil War as a completely different character. Oh, was she? Yep. She For was the one who... one scene. Yeah, she was the one who was like... Uh, oh, the mom. Talking, she yeah, was she's the, mom. the mom. Yep. But at the same time, so I don't, maybe it's because I don't remember Blade back in the day. I remember Blade Trinity, and the only thing I remember from Trinity was, in fact, Ryle Reynolds. That's the only thing I remember. Oh, oh, my. If the only thing that you remember is Blade Trinity, then yes, I can understand why you have a a, a grudge against Blade. (laughs) Uh, I would suggest <laughs> watching watching the first two movies at least. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to because I don't understand everybody's hype saying that Blade helped start the Marvel movies. I'm like, really? We're gonna yes. put those bad movies on it? Like, it's, it's, no, it's, watch it's, the first one. The first uh, one. The first one was basically the announcement to the world that you could do a serious comic book movie. And that's the one with Steven Dorff. Yeah. yeah. He was basically yeah. in the sun and basically. Even with the sunscreen, he was still right, getting just, burnt. Yeah, okay, so the sunscreen bit was a little goofy. I, I grant you that. <laughs> but the rest of the movie is great. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, even okay. when I was watching it and I loved the movie, I was like, okay, vampires being able to go in sunlight if they're wearing sunblock. It's like, what about their eyes? You know, it's <laughs> like, what about the inside of their mouths? I mean, like, it doesn't really, like, work. But, okay. <laughs> really? That's what you're hung up on? <laughs> really? Hey, you know what? Any movie you that has that a guy who was born out of a van, like a, a half vampire and half human, and you're worried about the sunblock. Well, it's because she was turned as she was going into labor, so. Okay. You know. Hey, you got to choose what you want to believe in. <laughs> <laughs> that part worked. But it is a mission. I'm going to get. I'm going to watch the entire trilogy all over again. Just no, 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 don't, no, don't watch the <laughs> Just, just the first two. Yeah. And just watch the first two. It's okay. Man, the Trinity Hay is bad, and I loved it. I, I, uh, I don't. I liked one and two as well, but I love Trin- Trinity. But I recognize I'm in the very small minority. Oh, I mean, even like Whistler's like. You're like a son to me, Blade. <laughs> it's just like nobody's giving that movie any conviction, you know. <laughs> Except Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. oh. that was his Deadpool uh, audition right there. The best thing to me about the movie is the behind the scenes and learning that the way that Blade reacted to 
Hannibal uh, King was the same way Wesley Snipes reacted to Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and so now when I watch it, there's that whole meta level of Wesley Snipes couldn't stand Ryan Reynolds. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Because <laughs> you know? so, it's like all this stuff about how like he wasn't taking things seriously and everything. They're like, yeah, Snipes actually said that to Reynolds on set too. So, so it was one take. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's probably about when I started hating Ryan Reynolds, too. So Blade 2, I mean, we spoke, we mentioned him before, but uh, Guillermo del Toro did too, right? right? If I remember correctly. Yes, yes he did. So, yeah, that right there is reason enough. Oh, well, and it's got Ron Perlman. What more do you need? <laughs> no, I, I, I know I'm on the minority, but I think the first one is the best of the uh, of the three of them. Um, I think the second one with the uh, Reavers or Reapers or whatever they were called, it's kind of... Went too far into La La Land. But <laughs> I, I like the serious action movie element of the first one. Uh, all right, so yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there were other stuff announced. I mean, you know, sequels to, you know, things like Captain Marvel and uh, and uh, Black Panther, of course, and then there's going to be a Fantastic Four movie. But those are all things that we kind of knew were in the pipeline anyway. The um, Blade was the big surprise on the movie side. So uh, what was interesting to me is they did not announce a Spider-Man 3 was on the way. That's probably a Sony, something that they have to arrange with Sony before they can... Right, but I mean, the other... But the thing is that Sony, so far, has always been, for a long time, like, we want to do a Spider-Man movie every other year, and they've announced through um, 2021, and there isn't going to be one in 2021, so... Even if it's in 2022, it means there's been a change somehow in the relationship, so... Uh, of course, worst-case scenario is that Sony's going to play some sort of game and, and try to take it Spider-Man back, which, you know, everybody hates the idea of, but it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with that cliffhanger that they ended Far From Home on, so. <laughs> well, I mean, Tom Holland is also a very, very busy guy. Right. Have you seen all these fan fan suggestions for TV shows? Everyone's casting Tom Holland in every yeah. major character. <laughs> it's insane. Well, good for him, honestly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to talk about that because it was the big news this weekend, and uh, just curious what everybody was looking forward to. I felt sorry for DC; they were after that Marvel panel. <laughs> yeah, and, and people were talking about like they didn't even like do anything like for like their Joker movie that was coming, and it was they like did not. It's like that's just coming in a few months. You'd think you'd want to hype that really big. Well, I mean the the. The great DC news out of Comic-Con had nothing to do with their movies. It was all about Crisis. So that's that overshadowed anything else they could have done. And that's a wonderful segue into what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. <laughs> so let's pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cletus Jacobs. And we're inviting you to check out our podcast, The Earth Station DCU. We talk all things DC comics, television, movies, and news. We'll give you weekly comic recommendations and keep you informed on what's going on with DC TV and movies. We are part of the ESO Network. You can catch a new episode weekly on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Kara Zorro. 
To most people, I'm a reporter at Catco Worldwide Media, but in secret, I work with my adopted sister at the DEO to protect this planet I call my home from anyone that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Supergirl Season 4. Uh, now, Mike Nelson, this is your first time on the show to talk about Supergirl. Oh my god, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's always been James, uh, Ryan, and, uh, and Michael Gordon with us. Wow! I'm kind of curious, you know, because we've never heard your thoughts on the show before. Before you binge season four, like last week, <laughs> how do you feel about, like, the first three seasons of Supergirl? The CBS show definitely held reservations back, and but they did a good job introducing it. It was a very intro season for season one, and even with it being a short season that 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 they did and with their budget constraints, it's it still provided a very good show and absolutely love the cast for it. Love Melissa, love the supporting cast, uh, love uh, the actor who plays Hank Henshaw. They're they're just great. Just absolutely great. and But then when they moved over to CW, I fell at home. Because, of course, immediately I was like, oh, she part of the Arrowverse! They're part of the Arrowverse! <laughs> and, and, of course, thanks for the crossovers. She, she actually was. And it still is, br- like, burned into my brain when we first see Flash and Supergirl together and he gets ice cream. The look on Melissa's face was just happy, just giddy, just fall. I'm pretty sure she just fell in love with the Flash at that moment. And it's like, oh, I want, I want that. I want that someone to look at me like that. <laughs> I want someone to look at me the same way that Melissa looks at a guy with an ice cream. <laughs> uh, Girls like ice cream. Yeah, they do. Uh, season two and season three were were still they were still a bit of a struggle, especially with season two coming to the CW, find its new home, and seeing what really they can push themselves that CW that the CBS wasn't able to do. And in season three, I think they really found their groove, uh, and it really has just really been a very fun show to watch. And, and I am not that big of a Supergirl fan. The only Supergirl uh, I really enjoyed was the Red Daughter of Krypton story in the comics when she put on the Red Lantern ring. Like, I own that entire, I own that small little event series, and it's like, this is my girl, this is my girl. I can love Supergirl okay, now. Okay, cool. And so you were talking to me, like, while you were watching this season about how it was triggering you. So so how do you feel about season four now that you've sort of binge through it. I stopped it. I stopped right before episode, I finished episode six and I had to stop. I didn't watch Supergirl for two weeks. And then I, and then at, at episode seven, I'm like, okay, let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's just power through. Cause I had my buddy Stevie B telling me, he, cause he was watching it. He was further ahead. He's like, bruh, you're not going to finish the season. I'm like, is it that bad? Is it, is it, do they just keep going on? It's like, they keep going on and it gets worse. I'm like, Oh God, why they said, why? <laughs> and so I, from episode seven, I powered through the entire way and finished it. And thankfully it ended much, much better. But yes, it was a trigger fest for me because, uh, as you know, as Jeffrey, Wright, I am a black man and this season is too close to reality. The, the writers, I and let me start with this. I absolutely love the writing team for this for the show. They, as close to the best as this was to everything going on in today, 
I thank them for bringing it to a different medium to bring it so other people who might not know about what's going, who, what's really going on, they have another alternative viewpoint to it. And I thank the writing team for it because they do it in the comic books all the time. And it's great in the comics. It's great here. So I applaud them for making that choice to do it. But at the same time, holy crap, it was so, as a black man, listening to this in the real world, going to Supergirl, hearing it there, it has just been like, oh, woo! Because I'm watching the show, and of course, here we, and it, uh, while we're watching it, it's like, in the back of my mind, uh, civil rights movement. We literally have gone through the civil rights movements. This is exactly just a repeat of everybody forgetting what happened 50 years, almost 50 plus years ago. And then I'm watching the show, I'm like, did they not have a civil rights movement? Did, did they not have a black struggle to understand that this rhetoric is not going to work? But I had to take that out of my mind. It was like, I don't think they did. I literally think that this alien stuff is actually their first alien civil rights movement. And I think they were just looking for their version of Martin Luther King. I think that that's uh, obviously deliberate. Um, I think that the, the the show, I'm not sure if you're aware, the showrunner actually changed uh, in midway through season three. Um, they fired the person that used to run Supergirl because it was all part of the Me Too movement kind of stuff. And now they have a woman running the show. And I think that a lot of the changes that are being made uh, are all very positive. I think having a woman as the showrunner for Supergirl makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I feel like character-wise and story-wise, the show is getting a lot better. I, I, to, to me, at least, having that reality aspect to it like really made this season strong this was their strongest season and even as controversial as it was because of the story being told and uh, and of course the atmosphere that we're all breathing right now in america seeing it on seeing it on this show it's it, it man it's just something else and it's really just makes it more in our face about what's really going on um, so, uh, Mike Gordon, what do you think about this season of Supergirl? I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I thought that, um, uh, the fact that for three seasons, I think Supergirl as a series has been one of the best series to highlight, uh, women characters and, and, and really put them over. I thought, um, they doubled down this season and they, it's sort of like, we're not just going to do stories about women empowerment. This is going to be about every minority um and uh i mean it was really risky to them because i've i've seen that they've gotten a lot of criticism uh for for being too uh too real world or too preachy or whatever um and that's that's unfortunate because i think that the the message uh, that they're telling is is really daring, especially for a CW superhero show, because none of the others are even attempting um, uh, storylines like this. Um, so uh, I applaud them for that. The only um, misgiving I had was I thought that a, like for a little bit this season they were kind of spinning their wheels, and it didn't look like um, they kind of had a had a plan on where they were going um, until. Until we get Lex introduced, in which you find out that like everything that we've seen is is by his design, which I thought was really powerful. Um, probably one of the best depictions of Lex Luthor there's ever been, uh, which is weird to say because it's like who would have thought that you know the kid from Superman three uh, was going to be you know uh, would be would be an amazing Lex Luthor Superman four. Um, 
Uh, sorry, yes, yeah, right, four. Um, and uh, I try to forget four exists. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I really do. Um, uh, but I also, um, you know, I, I was worried because they had set all this up that I'm like, I hope they don't think that at the end they're just going to be able to tie this together with a bow and say, look, you know, humans and aliens can live peacefully now, you know, like, because it's not going to be that easy. So I'm really curious to see in season five where we go from here. Yeah, I will say that the one thing that I found the, like, hardest to swallow about the finale was that Kara publishing everything in a newspaper article made everybody go, oh, wow, like, we've been wrong all this time. And, like, as a whole, the nation just completely turned on Lex and everything. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it was kind of nice to see Catco uh, be, like, used for something uh, as opposed to just a, a set piece yes no no no. i i agree that like with the stuff they did with kara i think we'll get to that was really good this season um because they did and they, they actually let her be wrong or uh, you know it, it, and that's one of the things we talked about in previous seasons is like she was too perfect and even you know her decisions were always the right decisions and here they actually showed that you know uh, you know, you can't just be Supergirl and, you know, punch your way through things and then smile and then everything, like, turns out okay, you know. Uh, and I kind of liked that, that she actually had to, you know, be taken down a peg or two and, you know, gave her something to struggle against. And so we got some of that stuff, which I thought was a lot stronger for her, too. Um, so I think that was helpful. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, I mentioned Lex and I know we'll probably talk more about him, but I also want to give a shout out to uh, two other characters that really um, I thought were amazing this year uh, introduced. And that was Manchester Black. Uh, man, what a great depiction of him. Uh, and that uh, even better than I think, well, I haven't read a lot of Manchester Black stories. I got to be honest with you. I've read a few um, but I will say that, like, I was just like, this is better than the, the comic version to me. And you know, at the end, he didn't die. He gets sent into the future for Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then also, um, Miss Tessmacher. I mean, mm. I, I mean, like, what a great job they did with her. And I just thought that, um, uh, yeah, there's really some really great character moments yeah. there. Yeah, I've been waiting. I've been waiting all this time for her to turn out to be bad. And it was finally like, wow, I've been vindicated. <laughs> Not to mention, you know, Red Sun Supergirl, which was yeah. a well done, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm that was sorry the thing for my daughter. At the end, though. When we were watching it together, my daughter was just like, Russian Supergirl, Dad, what's going on with Russian Supergirl? Like, she, like, was going crazy. Like, every once in a while, they'd show, like, some weird scene, like you were talking about, where it felt like the season wasn't coming together. And you were like, what are they doing? What are they on? You know, like, this is so disconnected from everything. And it was kind of amazing how they pulled that off with, you know, like, here's everything that was going on that you didn't know about. And uh, so, yeah, I, I liked that. Um, Ryan, uh, what about you? What do you think of the uh, fourth season of Supergirl? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to echo pretty much everyone else here. They they took it up a notch. I, I know there are people who call it political or whatever, and there's an element of truth to that. I think they're definitely um, going after the subject matters that need going after, but I would also argue 
that's science fiction at its best. That's that's the mold that Star Trek and Twilight Zone uh, created, and you know others have followed. Well, well let um, me posit this because this is the first season where they've done that. I feel like in previous seasons when they did it, it was too one dimensional. It was too easy. I feel like in this season they actually showed this kind of racism. In well, I think they did two things that were really interesting. One, they devoted a whole episode to Ben Lockwood's origin story to show how a normal, average person could be radicalized in this way. And so that was very interesting that they did that to show that, you know, this is how this sort of thing can happen. And in a way, even showing that in some ways, you know, like society not taking care of some of these issues that happened was part of what led this man to this path. And so sort of giving, uh, you know, sort of an explanation there of how do your friends and neighbors become like this, but also uh, the fact that it was a, it was a big problem that was pervasive and it wasn't something that you could just solve in a single episode and tie up with a nice bow. So I think, I think they treated it much more seriously than they've treated issues in the past. And I felt like that's what made it okay. Cause I agree in the past, I've been kind of annoyed and rolled my eyes with a lot of the th- like the after school specialness of the show and you know like here I felt like they're treating this really seriously so that's good that's interesting well I think I think in the past they wanted to you know kind of have their cake and eat it too they wanted to deal with these issues but they didn't want to offend anyone you know they, they were trying to go for that um largest you know general audience that they could and I think they've come to the realization that you know what we're going to some people off but this needs to be said and so uh they they just owned it um like like you said it was the ben lockwood episode they made the character understandable not sympathetic but understandable and that's an important distinction but it's not even it's yes the refugees and minorities and so forth but we've also introduced uh nia dreamer um this season and you know that on multiple levels is a, a sort of um, you know we're here and get used to it uh, mm-hmm. message that that I don't think I, maybe it's a CW's model as a whole, to, but uh, certainly Supergirl has stepped beyond. The closest thing I can think of in the Arrowverse ever is when um, Arrow tried to tackle gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, to, but that was one episode, and like you said, that was kind of like a afternoon special type of moment. This was a whole season tone of the entire show. Um, I, I agree with Mike, and I can say that when I'm not sure which one it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I agree that like the middle of the season was rough, and it started to lose my attention a little bit. Um, I, I've, I've advocated for a while, and I know you go back and forth with me here, Nathan, about tightening these shows up maybe going to fewer episodes depends on the show but in this case i would agree with you that yeah supergirl might use some tightening up yeah yeah i just felt like during the middle was the weakest part and where it got uh in danger of just becoming episodic you know monster of the week type nonsense but as a whole beginning had me and had and brought it back and then some and uh just there were so many interesting dynamic characters like colonel haley is another one i want to talk about Mm. later on who i think has multiple facets i I am shocked that i actually liked her at the end of the season because i hated her at the beginning exactly (laughs) well and i like the fact that they held it out for a while of is she part of this movement or is she just somebody who believes in following orders and and exactly where does she fall and and all this so you were kind of uncertain about where she stood anyway which kind of helped make it her kind of a character you weren't 
like with. She began as a tool and ended as an ally, you know, which maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a whole other uh, message as well. well. It's true. It's true. That could very well be what they were going for. Um, so, yeah, let's dive into it. Um, there's, there are a lot of interesting ways we could go here. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about some of our new characters first we haven't talked about before. And I think we kind of have to talk about the, the, the 50 pound you know the 50 foot uh elephant in the room and that's uh lex luther um wow yes. <laughs> <laughs> incredible um, yeah uh i i you know i knew he was coming uh it's kind of like okay this is interesting because i'm kind of glad that you know because we've had seasons of talking about characters that never you know like like the first couple of seasons where it's like we can talk about superman we can't you know show him but then you know we finally get superman and we've been talking about lex all this time we've had his sister we've had his mother and finally it's like here's lex and it's like okay great we can actually have him on the show now uh but i wasn't expecting all that much and Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's all the levels you want. He's the manipulator, but you also kind of believe that he that he likes Lena, that he has some affection for her, even though it's it's crazy and deranged and hurtful how he expresses that, you know, affection. But, you know, when he tells her that she couldn't pull the trigger on him, I believe in my heart that he would never have killed Lena. Like, he would lord it over her, he would, you know, screw around with her or whatever, but I don't think he would ever, like, actually kill her, you know, with a bolt, you know, with a gun like that, you know. And so, you know, he'd expected the same from her, which leads to interesting things for her, but we'll get to her. Um... But yeah, I mean, just the multi-facets of the character and just the way that he performs it... I was impressed. So uh, we already heard um, Mike gush about him, but uh, what about you, Ryan? What do you think about Lex? So when they cast John Cryer and I saw the news and I was thinking, what? And then I was thinking about it and, you know, I knew that he was wearing a toupee on uh, Two and a Half Men and uh, I thought, and I thought, well, maybe. And yeah, I started warming up to the idea a little bit before it even came on. I was thinking, yeah, sure. We'll give this a shot. Um, and it turns out that I reserve uh, the right to take this back, but I think he might actually be my favorite on-screen Lex Luthor, which is bizarre. <laughs> I, I'm still not 100% sure how. And it doesn't make sense. There's about there's 18 years difference between Katie McGrath and John Cryer. Uh, I, you would never buy in any world that they were brother and sister, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> and I don't know. He just – he comes across as diabolical and clever and fun in, in a way that I kind of wish Gene Hackman had always been. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, the only version of Lex that I like better, and that's because, you know, I, I'm kind of steeped in the lore of it, is the Clancy Brown uh, version of Lex from the animated series. Yeah, no, I mean, of the performed one, the live-action ones, I think Cryer is is absolutely the yeah, best without a doubt and, and and for the most part he showed off the genius that you expect for mm -hmm. lex uh the, the, he's you know not only is he he's not so many moves ahead of you in the chessboard he's on the very next game already <laughs> yeah um, oh i love the scene where they're marching him down the prison cell and all the all the other inmates have like the chessboards out and he's doing the moves yes. for each one <laughs> like he's playing like five guys all at once you know, and it's just, like, amazing. 
<laughs> I, I have nothing but good things to say. And when I heard he was coming back for next season, I might have, you know, shouted in glee. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they kind of telegraphed that, right? The monitor comes to resurrect him at the end. Well. <laughs> so, which, interestingly, I wondered, because the monitor also picks up Oliver at the end of Oliver's season. It's like, oh my god, is the monitor going to make the two of them team up? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, really, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I wish we had gotten him, like you said, two or three seasons ago. Imagine if we'd had uh, this Lex on Earth X, you know, as, uh, who knows, as a hero or something like that. I don't know. The possibilities are endless. Um, but again, this is another instance where I would love to see uh, Earth 1 or Earth 2's mm. Lex. Well, who knows? With Crisis, we might get multiple iterations of lots of different characters. So <laughs> They've Fair already way. said we're going to see multiple iterations of Oliver in Crisis. So, you know. And Superman. <laughs> and Super- well, yeah, but they're going to be played by different actors, whereas yeah. I assume that the other, like the multiple Olivers will be Stephen, you know, Mel just playing, you know, different versions of the character, but we'll see. Tomorrow there'll be a report that Justin Hartnell is going to come back. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I don't know. He's on one of the top shows in yeah. the, in the on, on the networks. I don't think he's uh, needs needs a gig. But uh, I, I'm they shocked that they haven't laughed. announced Dean Kane yet for Crisis on Infinite. <laughs> Because, you know, he's already in canon on Supergirl, but also he could play yet another iteration of Superman. Yeah, well, apparently, you know, Brandon's already doing that, so right. why not? Right, no, I know, that's what I'm saying. They could have, like, a legion of Supermen. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mike Nelson, what did you think about Lex? This man. <laughs> John Cryer rocked my world. <laughs> The opening monologue was outstanding. His on his deathbed, heartbreaking. I had a problem with that, only that Lena didn't see where that was going, because I figured it out, like, you know, by the beginning of the episode. It's like, oh, we didn't see who shot Jimmy. <laughs> Lex shows up and is like, oh, we need to test this cure. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see where this is going. Hey, 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 <laughs> love makes us gullible okay <laughs> don't judge lena for that <laughs> you remember, this, remember this is someone so badass that he walked into a room to give himself cancer right. you know, to yeah. sell the lie oh, yeah, no, we didn't mention that yet that so, was amazing because it's like I, I believe the fact that yeah even though i knew he manipulated lena to get the the cure made and everything uh, i thought not the cure but the power enhancement thing working I thought that, you know, the story was legitimate, that it was just because he was around kryptonite all the time that he happened to contract cancer. But to know that he did it deliberately. And so fast! Just to manipulate Lena into doing that, it was just like, oh my god. Oh. It was so, it was so fast. That comes Miss Texmarker, oh my god. It's <laughs> like, all right, when you come with a plan, I got something. Right, give me cancer. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and then... When he yelled her name, it was just, it was jaw-dropping. There were so many feelings. There was a lot of feelings, just a lot. But John Cryer's Lex Luthor, I think I have to agree, this is my favorite Lex Luthor now. They, I, I absolutely love Gene. Gene Hackman is great. And I have to say, his little nephew, wherever the hell his relationship was, he learned. Right? He learned. It's a family thing. And he got he got the family down pat for the past three seasons we wanted a lex luther we wanted superman and we but we really wanted to see lex luther and lena was doing is doing a great job she's really content she's trying to be different but we needed we really needed to have that lex for even just a moment 
And if this is the only moment that we would have gotten, I would have been heartbroken not to see any more. But just for what we got, mwah, it was magnifico. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Mike Gordon, I know you already talked about Lex a little bit. Anything more to add? Well, I just, you know, I think, I think, look, I mean, obviously Gene Hackman's an incredible actor and if he was if given this Lex to, to play, it, he would have just nailed it as well. So, uh, unfortunately his Lex was more of a con artist, uh, more of a, uh, a goofball, right? Um, played for laughs, really, or the straight man to Otis's laughs, really. Um, so that that was that was too bad because uh, you know I think you know looking at the casting of that that seems like a perfect matchup. But um, what Cryer does here and what he's allowed to do, what the writers are allowed to do is there. I mean, they give us a Lex that yes, I mean there's times where he has like the corny lines or two, but. Um, and he does remind us of Gene Hackman's with the Miss Tessmacher uh, cry and all that. But yet there's a real sense of danger with him. I mean, the body count alone with the mess, uh, uh, the trial scene. And then when he escapes, I'm like, wow, he's already taken out more people than on this show than I think anybody else on that's ever appeared on, on Supergirl. Like maybe even combined, like, he, like he's not afraid to like really just waste people and uh, throughout this whole thing. And, and it just, there's a real danger to him. And the fact that he's, you know, 18 steps ahead um, and the fact that they let him be the main catalyst, the main architect behind this whole season. Cause I mean, even though we kind of could see some of that coming, the fact that, you know, once it was revealed that he was the one that was befriending, you know, uh, uh, Red Daughter, right? Uh, uh, that was like, I, my mind was blown. And then I was like, oh. And then to find out that he's, like, got his hands in everything that's been happening. It's just, and it made sense. It just didn't seem like it was coming out of nowhere. I thought that was really great. And, yes, I, I'm glad to see that he's going to be around uh, next season, even if it's just for the crisis stuff. It's it's like that scene where Red Daughter first meets him, and she goes, Alex? And he goes, yeah. yes, yes, I am. <laughs> you know? Cryer it's just does such a phenomenal job and you know I don't know how he works off of everybody else is really good too and there's just great on-screen chemistry uh like with Lena and with Kara and everyone else that with the mom um whose name escapes me for the moment but I'll just call her Mama Lex uh, <laughs> sure Martha <laughs> No, there would be no fighting. <laughs> Why did you say that, Dave? Let's uh, let's move on here. Um, ben Lockwood, Agent Liberty. It took me a long time, but I finally realized where I knew him from, and that was as uh, Mr. Hyde from Once Upon a Time. Son uh, of a bug guy. <laughs> that was wrecking my brain too. <laughs> wow. So you guys, so you guys must not have. Like watched Smallville. Yeah, no, I yeah I did not. No, or being human. I didn't know. have a WB station where I lived. Um, Columbia didn't have a WB station when I lived there. Um, so, That's true. Yeah, so I never I never saw Smallville. And then by the time you know I could you know get DVD sets or whatever, I didn't really care, and I was watching other stuff. So. I mean, his his Doomsday is not uh, the greatest character. So he was Doomsday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> my brain is just wrecking right now. It's like oh my god, I've recognized this guy forever. 
Yeah, he, he was Doomsday in Smallville. He was Aiden and Being Human. He does the voice of Palpatine. He does a lot of voice work. Yeah, that's as voice. well. Well, he does have that good boy. I mean, he used that a lot with the Mr. Hyde role in Once Upon a Time. Where, so, Dark One. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, so, I mean, Ben Lockwood, I mean, we talked about it a bit already, but, you know, the thing about Ben Lockwood is just how unremarkable he is, right? He's not a mustache-twirling villain, you know, we don't see him in, like, the, you know, somewhere, you know, giving monologues to, you know, minions or whatever. It, it, he's he's an ordinary guy that, like I said before, has been radicalized by the circumstances in his life. I mean, it was kind of funny when they showed the episode and showing all the things that have happened in the previous seasons of Supergirl. And the stuff that I always talk about is, what about all the collateral damage? You know, the stuff they never talk about in their show is like when all these fights are going on, like homes get smashed, we see it and we never talk about like what happens to those people that have their homes all smashed up. Basically find out nothing because, you know, your insurance doesn't cover, you know, Daxamites <laughs> fighting <laughs> Martians, you know. So, uh, you know, you kind of get it, you know, because in the beginning, they're the ones chastising the, you know, his dad about, you know, calling them roaches or whatever. And then, you know, by the end of it, they're the ones using the slurs. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, they show the progression. They show how somebody can get to the point where they start needing somebody to blame and all that kind of stuff, which made it kind of interesting. But then you see him as the guy once he becomes the Agent Liberty, you know, and then he's appearing on talk shows and stuff like that as Ben Lockwood, you know, and you see that sort of face that we see a lot now of people you know, on the news and all who do talk about these kinds of things. And it's all about like, Hey, I'm perfectly reasonable. I'm not a hateful person, but these people have to go. And here's why it was interesting to me. Cause I think Ben Lockwood, obviously not with the mask wearing and, and that kind of stuff, but I think that they tried to make him as real of a character, as horrible as that character is, as possible and sort of take it out of that comic book element other than when he puts the mask on. So I don't know. I mean, how did you guys feel about Lockwood? Um, Mike Nelson, uh, I know because this was kind of a struggle for you. <laughs> how did you feel about the whole Lockwood? Uh, That's yeah. that dude as a just a character itself, charismatic AF. He knows how to capture the crowd, capture the attention, and that in episode three, really showing the backstory of Ben Lockwood was in fact needed, and it was. And it was um, it was brilliantly written, and it was a great progression of, like you said, of really his backstory of where he got to where he is now, where uh, of just being a family man. He even tried to defending it, and just the accident happened. The uh, the aliens' self defense mechanism came out, shooting a spike through his to his shoulder, and of course the whole all the uh, humans are just up in an uproar. Here comes the. D.E.O. and coming in there just trying to stop everything. He's like, hey, come on. It's like, well, how are you arresting my guys, but you're not arresting the alien? Oh, you mean the guy who's trying to activate his self-defense mechanism? Self-defense what? I'm like, self-defense mechanism. You know what that is? <laughs> and, but, and just seeing the progression uh, for, for that character and what really got me was, of course, this was... Uh, we and I, and I keep using even race, uh, calling it really racism, more probably more of a speech speciesism. Uh, I'm not really sure. Alien, alienist. Want to be technical? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was trying to find a technical term for it. But it's just like racism. We're just calling it something else. Yeah, <laughs> but but the hate, the hate to it. Uh, when you when you see that kind of stuff, you really you really want to figure out 
where did that hate come from? And having that episode, it, it definitely humanized him to bring us to like, okay, we understood where he was coming from to get to where he is now. Well, but, extending it to the real world, it's the same kind of stuff, right? Exactly. You know, the other has taken something from me. You know, like, why do they get to live in this area or why do they get to do this thing? They're taking the jobs. They're doing whatever. A lot of that hate stems from the same kinds of stuff that we saw with the they just stand, using aliens as stand-ins in Supergirl. And, the, and that's, the, that was the, that's the comparison that I struggled with, but I also loved. And, and it was one moment that I knew that he was in the wrong path to what his message he was trying to read. And it was in the classroom. And he had a teaching. He's like, no, I'm going to ad-lib today. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't ad-lib today, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he was talking about Pilgrim Rock. The, pilgrim, uh, the Pilgrims come and the, the Native Americans. And then it was... His, his vernacular when he was talking about it, and then we mentioned the complexion of their skin. I was floored. Like, did the writers literally have this actor say the complexion of their skin? I'm like, oh, this is your now. Now everything you are doing is based off of those words. And it's racist. And when the woman spoke, and when the when the female alien stood up, it's like this isn't nativism; it's xenophobia. And it's like, oh well, with your complexion, I'm like, why did you say it again? <laughs> why did you say it? Oh God! And and what killed me? Because again, I'm watching this, not thinking that the civil rights movement never happened and stuff never happened here. She stood up. Some of the aliens stood up. The black people stayed. I'm like, oh, you're bad black people. Why are you staying? <laughs> what are you doing, brothers? You need to get up. But here's the thing, and I think that's real, too, because once, you know, sometimes groups that have been picked on are happy when another group has been picked on and they join in on it too. Absolutely. I, I think that that's real. So, I mean, that can happen also. So that's part of the problem. Yeah. And it's Ben Lockwood and he got his own TV show. Yeah, that definitely happens. Yeah. Uh, his, I really thought that his wife was, was going to go against it. And then she went with it. She understood. I think at that moment, she's like, she had that thought, like, I need to stay with my husband. He he might be telling the truth, especially with everything that happened with her. And then the son, the son is exactly what he needed to do. He was with it because he's with his father and he, he was the man of the household. He, this is what, he, well, we need, I need to follow my father with this. But then he saw a friend, he saw a classmate, he saw someone his own age as an alien, didn't even know it. And now as that generation, he started to second guess. It's like, maybe the previous generation had this wrong. Maybe, and he started leaning against it. And finally, boom, the new generation are not going to follow in those kinds of footsteps. And he's going to make that right by not following where his father went. And even his father was even, uh, Bill was even locked up. He is in disbelief. He was in disbelief. Ben Lockwood as a character, I really feel that that actor pulled off one hell of an acting job. I commend him. And at the same time, Agent Liberty will never be cosplayed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and for the cosplayer who doesn't, I'm not 
going to disregard you at all. You have so much huge cojones to do it, but please expect a backlash. Just please expect The interesting thing about the Agent Liberty thing and the masks and that they all wear the masks and all that is I think that's almost a commentary on the anonymity that you get from the internet. And so that, you know, hey, I can be I can be the, the xenophobe as long as I have no identity and nobody can pin it back on me in my regular life. Well, it's a much cooler cosplay design than a white hood. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think that there's an element of that to it as well. Uh, But the thing with Lockwood that got me is, you know, this shows the intensity of the character is when the one guy is like, hey, we're all Agent Liberty, aren't we? You know, the guy in like the DC branch or whatever. And he's like, you know, I can be Agent Liberty now because you're not really being, you know, you just want to be fancy with the president and then he just starts beating the guy with the mask and it's like oh my god that escalated quickly so you know I mean I think it's interesting because yeah I mean he seems so reasonable most of the time but then suddenly he'll just be set off and do something like crazy like that Uh, and and that was really the moment when there he started to get that legitimacy as agent liberty uh, as the children of liberty trying to get them deputized first of course the president laughed it off and it, that was a really a wake-up motion. It's like you, he had a mission to – he did have the mission to pro, provide the security for humans, uh, even though he, he was doing it the wrong direction, but he had a mission. He had a goal. It wasn't really to hate. It was a mission to protect human American values. And being laughed at by the president of the United States, then this guy really hammering on that's like, you're not really doing what you set out to do because this guy is – and, and, and probably everybody else had that sense of we're protecting the human Americans, but we have the only way to do it is by violence. And Agent Liberty was not really one to be violent. He even said at the beginning he doesn't want Supergirl to be a martyr. And that quickly, of course, changed uh, as, the, as the narrative went. But, yeah, Ben Lockwood was... As as again, as I was triggered watching it, I can't help but say he was an amazing character this season, an amazing character overall for for this story. Uh, so, Mike Gordon, what do you think about Lockwood? Yeah, I agree uh, completely. The only thing that I would add is that, yeah, Sam Whitworth did such an amazing job. I don't know what his personal beliefs are, but I can only imagine that after filming every day, he had to go and take a cold shot. Like, it's just right. like, 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 I don't know how you live with yourself playing someone like that so effectively. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was he was the right definitely the right guy because i mean yeah i mean he he they they were smart to get a guy and an actor who could sort of make it real he wasn't just full of uh you know slogans and catchphrases and uh, uh obviously ugly right um you know like so many times we see that depicted i mean it seemed like he was you know a real guy with a real family and this is how this can happen now that's not to exonerate their decisions uh because certainly uh ben's decisions are are horrible um that he makes and he's got issues that go way beyond um you know uh, uh sort of his outward uh, sort of protecting of, of Americans or humans first kind of thing, right? 
So, um, and I think they did a really good job um, uh, with that. I don't know. I can't remember how we left him at the end of the season, though, to be honest with you. He's just arrested, right? Yeah, he's in jail, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. He was watching his son do, like, the press conference thing where the son was like, yeah, we need to find a better way or something like that. And he was just looking, like, shocked that his son was doing that. Let me ask you this. Do you think... Because uh, you know they love to do this. Do you do you guys think that this is a character that can be redeemed? Ooh. So I hate the notion that no one can be redeemed. Sure. Uh, but I, and I think that part of showing how he became who he became helps with the idea that it was a series of bad things that happened to him, and then bad choices spun off that. I believe with time. And understanding the error of his ways, he could be redeemed. I do not want it to be a trite thing of he does one good deed and suddenly he's okay. <laughs> you know? Because, I mean, the worse the things that you do, the more you need to do to, like, come back from it. You know? And so that's what I've seen in other shows before where it's like, this person is horrible. has done all these horrible things. But then they, like, do something like they sacrifice themselves for someone. And then it's like, oh, I guess they were really a good person after all. And it's like, eh. <laughs> you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back and throw it in your face, Nathan. The next time we talk about Darth Vader, <laughs> or, or Kylo Ren, right? Yeah. Well, no, I I don't want Kylo Ren to be redeemed. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, and I think I think with this show though, in particular with the character that they've created or that they've depicted as Supergirl. I think that they, I, I see them allowing that possibility. Yeah. Um, just because this character, much like, you know, Superman, represents, you know, hope and represents, uh, you know, trying to give people second chances um, and and not always just condemning someone, um, you know, uh, at the drop of a hat. But I, I, I don't know. I don't care to see him back to be honest with you it's not something that i'm itching for but i could definitely see them uh certainly if they were trying to resolve if they're still trying to you know resolve the the humans first initiative and that's still a thing with the um sons of liberty and all that um maybe there's a use for him yeah i mean they they can definitely bring him back my thing is with supergirl it seems like they redeem a lot of characters so i almost want to see one just stay really rotten <laughs> well well that's lex because <laughs> even even uh, mama luther there is now like it's kind of like oh she really loves lena and she's kind of helping and it's like i feel like they're redeeming that character now and it's kind of like okay we really need to have a villain that's just irredeemable or you're not irredeemable but chooses not to be you know, to take the actions that would redeem them. So, well, I think yeah. I think instead you're seeing the opposite this season. This season in particular, I think you're seeing where the the results of what Supergirl and Kara are doing are are making. Uh, she's creating uh, Lena as her adversary for next season or maybe beyond that. I'm so I'm so excited about that, but I don't want to go there right yet. But oh yes, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh. I was so happy with that ending. Ryan, um, thoughts on Agent Liberty? The thing about Ben Lockwood is he's brilliant, but he's not as smart as he thinks he is. He's a good history professor, but he misses a lot of the pieces in between. It's the reason he was so easily manipulated by Lex. And so you can see, I mean, you, they could do series upon series of this guy's descent into, into racism or whatever we want to call it. 
and we kind of had it all forced into one episode. And by the same token, any sort of redemption would also also be forced. Although it's got to begin with his choosing to believe differently, his his accepting that he made the wrong decisions, right? And and I just don't know that. He's at a place where to not go crazy, he has to believe he's right. Otherwise, he has to acknowledge he's wrong in everything that he did. And I don't know. I think that would be that would just break him. Um, maybe we'll get another iteration of him that's insane in, in a different way. But I don't think we never see him as a sort of a redeemed figure trying to spread kindness and love throughout the world. Hey, keying up on something that you said, though, how much more awesome would it have been if they had, like, a long plan and actually showed Lockwood descending in this way over the course of four seasons? <laughs> Instead of packing it all into one episode? <laughs> that, I mean, you know, yeah, that would have been pretty awesome, but between changes in showrunners and networks, <laughs> you're giving you're giving uh, Berlanti too much credit. <laughs> no. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he he didn't have a support system, right? Everything went wrong in his life, and he had no one to turn to. He didn't have the friends and and so forth that Kara and everyone else had, and it just. Uh, the only thing he had to turn to was the internet. You know, I mean, he basically, um, he had 4chan. That was his, his one, uh, outlet. And we know how, well, well, his dad was someone who was like an old man, get off my lawn type. And, and he got a lot of it from his dad who, you know, at first he was kind of resisting it, but then like when things actually went bad, he started listening more. And then his dad kills himself or like chooses not to be saved basically the same thing and then it's like that just breaks him completely and then he sort of like adopts all of his dad's like notions and maybe he sees it as honoring his father i don't know sure. but what makes him dangerous is that he's smooth and you see this when he's trying to persuade jimmy and and you get a sort of an almost jimmy falls for it and it, he seduces jimmy in a way jimmy's like you know we've got to talk we've got to you know uh engage and you can make the argument that you have to, but it doesn't matter what you say to someone like Ben Lockwood. He believes what he's going to believe. And by discussing it with you, all he's doing is buying time for whatever he's really trying to do. And so that was kind of brilliant in and of itself. And But I do want the, the idea that this season was uh, about the opposite of redemption. I mean, maybe this – you look at people like Manchester Black who, you know, uh, Jean was trying to save him throughout the entire season. There was plenty of uh, – uh, or, or, well, then again, I don't know. Red Daughter was kind of redeemed. So I guess there was a little bit of both on both sides. What, what do you think about Manchester Black? Uh, badass. I, I mean, I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, when he got his squad together, um, I would have watched a show of them, frankly. You know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he was an un the actor had real charisma. Uh, and I'm so looking forward to him being on Picard. Um, so, you know. It's Discovery. Is it Discovery? Yeah, he's on Discovery season three. Oh, I thought it was Picard. Okay, what are no. we start? No, there are pictures of him with uh, with Burnham from uh, Discovery. Ah, oh, wow! I didn't realize you were that far in filming. But it, wherever he's going, I will follow him. <laughs> Let me just say that. <laughs> I will follow him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I will admit it did kind of break my heart when he turned. Well, not turned, but when he made it convince John that there was no saving him. It's like, cause I, he, he's the epitome of the bad boy that you want to turn good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I thought it was interesting cause they basically showed, I, I like the fact that Supergirl still, the show stood for the idea of what we really want is nonviolence. 
Because I feel like in this day and age, a lot of people are turning to violence and saying, like, that's the solution. And, you know, I mean, that was the Manchester Black thing was, you know, hey, if these people are, you know, they're going to be specious or whatever we want to call it, we, we've got to kill them, you know, because that's, that's the solution. And I hear a lot of that rhetoric you know, nowadays on Facebook and everything else. And it's like, I like the fact that Kara and the show still stands for the idea that people can be rehabilitated because I believe that they can. Um, and that, you know, that isn't the solution. We don't want a civil war. Um, so, uh, you know, I like that. But but again, I mean, it's very real character type and it's very understandable, like the, the progression he went through, you know, uh, seeing, seeing, you know, someone he loved being uh, brutalized and then die because of it. You know, what it reminds me of is Manchester Black and Ben Lockwood are opposite sides of the same coin. And to bring it back to Star Trek again, it reminds me of the TNG episode with the uh, one with the half black face and the half white face. And the other one was the half white and the half black. And they're just, that was a TOS episode. What did I say? <laughs> you said TNG. Oh, I'm sorry. TOS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it reminds me of that. I mean, they're just locked in this eternal struggle, Ben Lockwood and Manchester black. And, there's just no budging them from that precipice that they're on. Yeah, and honestly, if there hadn't been other characters to interfere with it, it probably would have been the same kind of eternal struggle of just the two of them. So. Killed each other. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Mike Nelson, what do you think about Manchester Black? I have never seen someone more dedicated to his country than Captain America. <laughs> like, even Captain Britain's guy come over here is like, that's too much. <laughs> I Manchester Black. I never knew the character when the, when I was watching it. I definitely looked him up. Uh, so he's not really an alien. He's just you know someone that can kind of predict movements of the body, and you obviously saw that uh, by just watching him because he can kind of predict where you're going to throw a punch and kick and kind of countered it very very miraculously. So and he really was just a human side uh he was the pro alien uh side for the humans and he was the extremist side on the alien side just like ben lockwood was the extremist side for uh for the pro human side so they definitely were their opposite but yeah but the actor playing manchester black that was that was just some great character development and just uh how he presented the character itself i absolutely loved manchester black and and I looked at him, and when he tapped on his chest to bring out his little armor, again, there's there's the freaking flag. Uh, um, there, it's the name. What's the name of the flag again? Union Jack. There it is, Union Jack. Yeah, when he popped out the Union Jack, it's more of it. He had the Union Jack ring. I'm like, oh, my God, this dude needs to stop. <laughs> I thought he had great chemistry with Jean also. Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, their interaction. It was really good. Cause, and, and, of course, we'll get to John, but props to John trying to just get through. Uh, but seeing Manchester Black, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to cosplay that. I would. I want to rock a Union Jack. Yeah, that's a pretty decent cosplay kind of thing. I mean, it's it's very low cut. I just have to get a sequin, a gray sequin jacket. I may need to message Beth. <laughs> but yeah, Manchester Black, that was, that definitely brought a lot of emotion uh, when he, what was her name? Uh, oh, I forget the name. Yeah, of his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. That, I mean, especially for John 2, that was a lot of, of Curry Roman 2. I actually thought and from the promos that i saw months ago while this was aired i i thought that it was he was going to be a good guy so i'm like okay okay he he did this one bad thing for zebra Roll. he got caught okay <laughs> he, he's gonna turn around oh, welcome to the elite okay uh he's gonna just turn it around 
Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, he's just dead. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think he does have a superpower, though, because if you remember when they teleported to the Fortress of Solitude, they're standing outside in Antarctica, and they're just, like, completely fine, you know, in their normal clothes. <laughs> I kind of looked at that, and I was like, really? I mean, have you been to Antarctica? I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> global warming? Come on, Warmer. Nathan. Yeah. yeah, global warming. <laughs> yeah. You can stand out there in just a normal pair of jeans and a coat. It's fine. Can we talk about hat? Yeah. I love yeah, hat. Yes, yes. I love hat. And I can't believe it's, that it was kind of a uh, our own very own Mr. Spitlick. That was like, okay. Well, except they've had Mixie Spitlick last season. It was a different guy, so that's oh, not yeah. what they were going for. Yeah, just the, just the same, tech, I want to say technology, but the same magic with that <laughs> hat. It's like, okay, this is, hat was pretty cool. I didn't look up if it was a real character or not, but it's like, I don't care. I like hat. Uh, so, Mike, I know you mentioned Manchester Black already, but anything more to add about it? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad... It was a really welcome addition. I thought, you know, when Manchester Black was first introduced in the comics, it was sort of um, a reaction to the anti-heroes, uh, the, the, you know, vigilantes that were getting all sorts of attention in comics. And people were, you know, kind of like poo-pooing Superman because he was too much of a Boy Scout. So, so he was created to, to basically show like, no, no, Superman's like when you put Superman up against this kind of character, you'll see that, you know, this kind of character is not cool. Um, and uh, he had a group called the Elite. And, yes, the Hat was one of those members in the comics. So the Hat is there. Um, uh, but um, I think I like the fact that they sort of transitioned Manchester, Manchester Black in this way. Uh, they gave him a different origin, which was cool. And, um, you know, the, the danger is, is that he's played by such a charismatic actor and he's just so good that it's like, well, yeah, he is, kind of, I, you know, I kind of rooting for the guy. Like, I do think he's cool, you know, so whereas I never felt that way about Manchester Black in the comics. <laughs> I felt like he was just a tool in the comics, whereas like here I'm like, well, he's kind of cool. That's, so what if he kills some people? That's sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, but I, I definitely look forward to seeing more of him. And obviously, you know, you already mentioned that uh, that's probably going to happen. I don't know when and how that's going to work out. Oh, well, that was a joke. That was, that was a joke. Uh, he's he's appearing in Star Trek Discovery. So I said, oh, he was just sent into the future. He didn't really die. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the way that he died, like, I, I don't know. I think that he, you know, he quote unquote died. You know, I think on the show, I mean, there it's like, look, it's comic book death, right? <laughs> right. Anything could happen. And he was wearing a he wasn't where he wasn't he wearing his legionary. Yeah, although that was left behind. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Brainy gets it back. But, uh, okay. Uh, so how do you feel about Colonel Haley? I thought she was... I thought she was just kind of a, a tool character in the beginning. I've, I do give them uh, some props for developing her as a character more throughout the season and getting to know her more. And the fact that she turns out to be a, a pretty good ally, uh, I thought worked really well. Um, uh, you know, she she's not... Other than that, she's not my, like, I don't look forward to seeing her, but I don't, like, dread when I see her on the screen either. <laughs> right. Okay, Mike, what do you think about, uh, Mike Nelson, what do you think about uh, Colonel Haley? That was an enigma. That character was to a T. It wasn't, she wasn't my favorite, but I always got scared when she showed up on screen. It's like, okay, how are you going to screw up today? 
what are you going to do to ruin our lives, woman? They always made her ambiguous, which I thought was nice. Like, she would say something, like, like horrible, and then she'd be like, I baked everyone cake. You know, yes. and then it's like, what, what is this? And then it would be like, like you find out she knew that like they were doing stuff off the books, but it was just kind of like, don't do that again. It wasn't like she really nailed them to the wall kind of thing. And it's just kind of like all through the season, you're kind of left going like, where does she fall in all of this? You know? Well, I really got the, I got really got an Amanda Waller vibe from her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, I was definitely standing there with Brainy and, uh, Oh my god, I can't remember her name just escaped me. Alex. Thank you. Brainy and Alex when they hang he's like, uh, who is she? What? And what I it was one of the things that I definitely got I found uh trifling, as my friends say, was <laughs> on one side she was wanting to know the secret identity for Supergirl to control her. You know, to you know, have something over her, and then here comes later in the season when Alex brings in the brings in her daughter. It's like, is this what your daughter? Was like, oh, don't you dare use with her! Like, you're about to use Supergirl's real name. You don't get to pull this woman. You don't get to be a hypocrite. But but ultimately, Haley was. I don't want to see her either again. But the the actress did a fantastic job. The character, the character was much needed for the DEO. It was yes, hundred percent needed. Without that, without Haley there. I'm not sure what the DEO's presence was going to be for this season. Yeah, I had real problems with how they left last season, where it was like, oh, Alex is going to go become a single mom, and she's going to lead the DEO, and I'm like, you know, none of these things. Are, I mean, it's like, she's not going to be a single mom and run the DEO, okay? That's just not hey, possible. Hey, hey, women rule the world, Nathan. <laughs> I couldn't be a single dad and and run something like the DEO. I'm not sure I could have a family even with a spouse and run the DEO. Did it? Don't even say that. Martian Manhunter did it. He had two little girls. David, David, Right? Yeah, yeah. Who were in the DEO? Who were grown? But anyway, are they? Um, are they? But. <laughs> That's a good point. That's the best point you've made all night. Yeah. But no, I, I think that having someone else, I, I think that that was a mistake, how they left things last season. So I think having Haley come in to actually be the one who runs the DEO was good on a couple of levels. One, it gives us someone in charge that, you know, even if she's an ally, is someone that won't always be like on the same page with Alex. And I think that's good to have a little bit of friction there. But two, it also like allows for Alex to have that personal life, which would be really unbelievable if she had to run something like the DEO. So I, I liked that on, on multiple levels. And so I thought that, yeah, she served a very necessary function uh, on the show. Because I think one of the problems that the show has had historically is that there hasn't been enough friction. Um, between characters because everyone's so nice to each other, you know, and so it's kind of nice to actually have like a little bit of drama stems from conflict and it shouldn't always be the bad guys conflict with the good guys. Sometimes you need the good guys to have a little bit of conflict too. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm sorry, Mike, uh, anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, I'm 50, 50 on her coming back. I'll be okay. I wouldn't be okay. Okay. I think they need someone though above Alex in the DEO personally. Uh, we, we definitely do need that hard line by the books person to go up against Alex's. We're going to go with our feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, you know, when John was there, it was always like, okay, the DEO runs really well. Cause Alex and John lockstep, you know, and I just feel like having a little bit of that friction, you know, you know, makes it a lot more interesting. Um, 
Ryan, uh, how do you feel about uh, about Haley? Well, the character was wearing like two hats, right? She was half bureaucrat, half soldier, and uh, she was either really good or really bad at both, depending on your point of view. Um, but what's funny is, you could I would say you could probably see more of an evolution in her character over the season than maybe any of the others, um, in the sense that she starts off well-intentioned and believing the system can solve all we have to do is be loyal to the system do the system follow the orders and it'll work out for the best in the end and by the end of the season she realizes that the system is only as good as the people who make it up and at that time the people who make it up were ben lockwood and a president that's in bed with lex luther and so she's aware that <laughs> that's a mental image yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know whatever gets the job done okay you know? <laughs> yeah you know the shocked expression she had when they hid the whole space laser thing from her you know and the fact that it was like i, I knew nothing about that and just like how that just floored her that she was even being betrayed by the people that she trusted i mean she's been in this job long enough to have some mistakes and dirty secrets of her own like experimenting on invisible aliens um but at the same time i she's a true believer in the system, um, and and so that's when she was when she becomes disillusioned or begins to become disillusioned that she becomes interesting, and it is that sort of yeah here I, here's a potluck you know I mean she's she's got interesting layers I I do want to see her come back in I do want to see her try and settle that divide because under under Jean the D D uh, D O E D whatever it is uh, D E O you know. It was way too autonomous for belief. It was uh, it was like shield, you know. It was just something, uh, which is actually kind of funny considering it's got a shield agent as one of its members. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, it just so I'm. You got to see in this episode. Maybe it's because we also had a president who was more hands on in this episode or in this season rather. Um, we got to see the agency work as part of the, a greater government as a whole. And and Haley was needed for that context. Let's talk about Nia. Um, <laughs> the one thing <laughs> my daughter kept saying is, "Why does every why is everyone bullying her about becoming a superhero?" Because <laughs> <laughs> it almost came off that way. Because it's like she keeps saying she doesn't want to stop bullying her. <laughs> God bless your daughter. <laughs> right. So it's like you know one of those things of you know. Me, because I'm so steeped in comic books and origin stories, the hero's always supposed to be reluctant, right? It's just kind of interesting to have that sort of fresh perspective of somebody being like, everyone's telling her to be a hero. She doesn't want to. Like, just let her live her life, you know? But uh, I'll also say, though, uh, okay, dream energy? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Like, I think it's okay to have a character whose ability is a non-combat ability. Or at least is not something that can be directly used for... Con- like, the idea that she can predict people's movements because of her power is one thing. But to have her be able to, like, channel it into blasts and stuff? Eh. Yeah, we, we really didn't need her on the front line for that. Right, right. You know, uh, I, I thought it would be perfectly fine to have her, you know, be, like, a support character that can predict stuff and sometimes helps out with, you know, you know combat, but in the sense of, you know she uses her powers to predict movements or something, not like shoot energy blasts, but whatever. 
Um, but uh, Mike Nissen, what do you think about Nia? I love her. I date her. She's single. So does Brainy. <laughs> I'll fight Brainy. I don't care how Brainiac he is. <laughs> I saw her. I'm like, oh, she is cute. I'm trans. Oh, she is cute. <laughs> Like I, like I didn't. So that was one of the things that my friends were really picky about, not being mean about it, but that was like some of their last straws. Like, wow, now we're talking about racism. Now we also have a trans superhero. And it's like, okay, so representation, it counts, it matters. And it was really a character that didn't really matter if it was black, Asian, whatever. That Dreamer was not focused any time of her story whatsoever on her race. So. And, you know, just other characters, Fantastic Four, you don't really have to focus too much on that. But being a trans, they're like, okay, now this is too political. I'm like, just go with it. She's cute. They're cute. I don't know the pronoun for it, but I'm just going to be respectful. Uh, But, yeah, she was great. And the dream energy, I agree. I don't think we really need her that front line about it. And, you know, breaking the time vortex and all that stuff, blah, 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 continuum. Good, that they like bad. You shouldn't have done that. Uh, but yes. Yeah, oh, you're watching the Flash and realize it won't really do anything. So. Yeah, we always remember that. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> uh, People will get mad for an episode, and that'll be okay. But I, I, I really, I really thank the writers again and enjoyed the hell out of her backstory episode. Just it take just a moment out of the city. Go into a nice alien and, and human cross, uh, basically a nice civil place where aliens and humans can live together. It's a beautiful town. Uh, love to see that. Love to see the dad. He was great. Love the actor. Uh, and yeah. Mark Tooth from uh, Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the family was great. It was it just seeing that, yeah, I'm going to have to root the dark. She was completely bullied to be a superhero. Not just by Brainy, but then also having the powers, not able to pass it on. It's like, oh, well. Huh. No, Kara was the one who kept telling her she needed to be a hero and stuff. And it's just like, geez, Kara. She said no. Respect, you know, respect her wishes. That's the message I was just there. <laughs> no means no, Kara. God. <laughs> right. What really hit me is that her sister always had her back with her transition to becoming a female. Always had her back. That was always... Uh, really spoken about and how everybody in the town was accepting. Well, some people weren't, but the majority of people were. And how we as a society are trying to, uh, we some of us accept uh, these people and other people don't. And that was another echo chamber, to, not an echo chamber, but another callback to that. It's like we need to respect these people, uh, their their choices, uh, and who they are, not what they were born as or whatever. Her sister had her back, but then it was just that moment. That one that that Nia didn't that didn't tell her sister that she had a power didn't tell the family her mother on her deathbed found out so overjoyed but of course deathbed and her sister having so much guilt it's like if I had this power I would have done it's like oh you didn't have you have this power you didn't stop this like uh, sometimes you can't really stop things <laughs> I'm sorry uh, it was really just keep one of those things that keeping a secret from the family will really devastate and hurt the people that you're closer to. But really, it it I don't, I went back in my chair when her sister is like, you're it's like the daughter, the first daughter is supposed to get this power. You're not even a real girl. I'm like, oh! 
audible Spanish gasp, all the gasps. Just all of them. Like, really, woman? And she just storms off like, no, 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 no. You, that's where we really needed like a Medea character. Like you don't get to storm off over there. You come back here, young lady. You come back. Yeah, I was really surprised they didn't revisit that later in the season. Although they could always do it in season five. But in a way, I mean, you know, they're they're again going for you yeah. know real reality. Yeah. You know, injecting some realism that sometimes you don't just like heal the rift. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like you sit down later and everybody's okay. You know. That so. was just. That was very. An impactful episode for for the trans community for the uh, LBG to uh, basically all the alphabet. Sorry, that's a lot of alphabets they've added now. <laughs> and uh, and that, was, that was a great thing. That was a, a very real episode. And, and thank and thank you, Kara, for pushing uh, for even exposing her secret of her secret identity to Nia. At the same time, yeah, there's a lot of bullying to be a superhero. That was a lot. That was really pushing it. But yeah, I absolutely loved Nia. The Dreamer superpower stuff really could have been brought back a little bit, but Nia as the character before Dreamer, I loved her. And now that she's part of the Super Friends, it's nice that she's there for her power, but at the same time, and just like how we did it with Jimmy all those seasons all those seasons ago, just because you're on the show doesn't mean you need to have a superpower to be relevant. Nia could literally have just been Nia and not Dreamer and she would have still been a very solid, welcomed character. Because when even her introduction, and Kara even called like, oh, you're me. I'm like, she's you. That's you, girl. <laughs> it was That was just a great mirror reflection. And seeing and just seeing that mirror reflection, is like, this is where Kara was. This is where she is. Nia, you're good. You are going to be good. Look at that. That's your role model. You got this. Mike invoked Jimmy becoming guardian, and now we're going to have seven more years of bad luck. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Mike, what do you think about Nia? Um, I agree. That episode that explained her origin was uh, amazing, and that was probably the highlight of her character for me. Um, prior to that, um, you know, narcoleptic, narcoleptic Nia did nothing for me. Um, you know, I, I thought, wow, why do you still have a job? Everyone's just so gosh darn understanding at CatCo. I know. Like, <laughs> that's part of that. That's part of that kumbaya. Everybody links hands crap that they're mostly stepping away from. Yeah. But, yeah. And I just it just wasn't enough. And I think part of it also has to do with the fact that I'm not a big brainy fan either. So like most of her scenes are with him. And look, I get it. There's going to be some, there's some connection there. You know, obviously, um, well, I don't think they've mentioned this in the show yet, but in the comics, there is a um, character called Dream Girl in the Legion of Superheroes with the last name Nal. So it's pretty, this is, this is an early incarnation of, uh, or ancestor of that, of that character, obviously. And so, and, and, and Brainy knows that. And I kind of wish that maybe we did too, just to have some more um, excitement around her, but I didn't think that they did a good, a, as good of a job building her as a compelling character until that origin show, uh, that ep the episode. Now, after that, between like trying to figure out ways to use her powers so that they were relevant in the field and, and giving her 
forgive me, but giving her one of the worst outfits I've seen on the CW. Because <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not, I can't say that I'm a huge fan. And I understand that representation matters. I just wish that they would be, that, that it was better represented here. Ryan, what do you think about Nia? Yeah, um, <laughs> I feel like this is a subject matter, you know, where I have to think a moment uh, how I'm going to phrase uh, my criticisms and so forth, because I kind of agree with Mike. So, you know, take what you want from that. Um, in the sense that I feel like Nia had three high points this season, uh, her origin story, um, the, her interview with, uh, um, Kara, where she basically humanizes might not be the right word, but you know, gives a face, I guess, to the alien, um, refugees. And, uh, the last one, which was a little over the top, but was when, uh, they played American woman as she, uh, kicked butt in the bar. Yeah. I I was like, Heavy-handed, but you know, go for it. You know, um, I, otherwise, I felt like the character was just adrift in a sense. I mean, yeah, it, she gave Brainy. Her and Brainy had their their fun moments, and I, I like Brainy, so I was down with that. But I don't honestly. I didn't feel like she needed to be a regular. She could have been a reoccurring character, and I would have been fine with her. I mean, going forward, if they've got something to, for her next season that makes sense but this she didn't even quite make it to sidekick status for me um this season i just I honestly it just kind of felt like um like they were duplicating the jimmy problem where they they like an actress or an actor in jimmy's case and they want to do something great with him they just don't know what I, you know i never like the sort of goofy you know character type anyway and so like whether it's felicity and arrow or nia as she was portrayed a lot here i just really didn't care all that much um you know and she needed more meat you know, to her character and what they were doing with her. I mean, like I said, they, she got an episode. She had some good moments. She had some great moments, but they didn't need to be every, she didn't need to be in, in every episode. And it's like uh, Mike was saying, like, if Kat was still at Catco, can you imagine her tearing her up? Oh, she wouldn't last you know. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of the problem is that Jimmy doesn't pay attention to anything going on at CAC. <laughs> he doesn't actually run that no. business. Can we, can we have that out that blooper reel of just Cat Grant coming in, watching her sleep? Like, I would love for Calissa Flockhart just to come in and handle that. Well, I, I would love for them to have Calista Flockhart in back in the show for any yeah, amount of time. I miss Skype Grant so much. I, I, I'll, I'll do you one better, or not one better, but I'll do you one more. I wish Snapper Carr would come back for any length of time also. And he also would have torn her up. Right, exactly. So it's like either one of them would be great, uh, you know, to have back on the show. No, but imagine a scene where Jimmy's in his office and he's, you know, saying, oh, yeah, sure, take the day off, whatever. And then, like, Cat just starts appearing on the monitors behind him like in a huge face you know? <laughs> I mean they, she, could, she could Skype it in she could stay in LA <laughs> well the thing is story wise she worked for Cat before she came to Cat Go like she was her like um, she was a secretary or something before that so like she was the reason that she got the job at Cat Go huh. she was a political speech writer oh I don't remember that for some reason so oh yeah that was the backstory for her yeah very, yeah i know it didn't really matter and it did, yeah it's like that's <laughs> it's just so we can name check cat for this season oh, exactly. there you go. <laughs> don't remind me that she's not here right <laughs> well it's like this season she didn't even get a cameo at least third season she got like a cameo on the monitors 
You know, where you saw her very briefly, but this season she didn't even get that. So we're going kind of long here, and that kind of stinks because we've talked about all the new characters. We haven't even covered the regulars yet, but let's try and dive in as quickly as we can here. So let's talk about Kara and Red Daughter. I feel like Kara got some good development this season, and then the whole thing with Red Daughter, once we get actually introduced to her, I think was really interesting. So let's start with you, Ryan. What did you think about that? Yeah, I agree. This this season is the closest Kara's had to come to, like, introspection. Um, right. And <laughs> so in that sense... Yeah, she was interesting, but at the same time, she was she's still super. You know what I mean? Uh, the consequences of her mistakes are still uh, minor. I, I do do think her estrangement from uh, the DEO was a, a nice touch because it really just kind of showed the reality of the situation. Here she is, a vigilante alien who is as powerful. I mean, Superman didn't work the DEO for a reason. So there, there's, there was a certain logic. It tied her hands and like, did she even get a paycheck from there? That would explain how she can afford that, that huge loft on, on a reporter's salary. They did say it was rent controlled. <laughs> they said it was rent controlled this season. <laughs> but uh, no, she, uh, I, I feel like Supergirl was just Supergirl, but I do think that Kara's character, character when she was Kara you know she like like we came back to Kara as a reporter several times and uh as a mister as a sleuth as a you know I guess a Nancy Drew character or whatever um and that was all fun and I like that but at the same time Kara was probably the kind of the most boring character this season and except for Jimmy in the sense that uh <laughs> everything else that was going on around her uh the reactions, everything that happened because of her, like when we get to talking about Alex, that was the saddest storyline this season. Um, it was over far too quickly. Yeah, I think it was too. Or at least the consequences of it were over before the actual memory wipe were was over. And it was like, oh, we're working fine with the, her again. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. It was just, okay, sure, we'll find a way. But I, and, and as usual, uh, Melissa has great rapport and chemistry with anyone she's on screen with. It, it's just... It's just, I don't know, I guess she's got to be a Girl Scout or something. So, it, eh, yeah, sure, she was fine. I was shocked that Monel did not make an appearance this season. I thought for sure, especially with them getting engaged in real life, it's like, yeah, it's going to find a way to, you know, get Monel in for a few episodes or something. And... To their credit, they didn't have him, and they didn't really try to have it create a romance with her. Right. No, I know. Yeah. And yeah, that was actually one of the strong, the best things about the season was that, yeah, again, no forced romance. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, when I say things like Doctor Strange 2, you don't need a romance, you know, it's like, it's not that I don't ever want to see romances in movies or TV shows. I don't want there to always be a romance in movies and TV. Sometimes I just want to see the story, you know, and there doesn't have to be a love interest. So, yeah, I mean, like if next season, if they do give Kara a love interest, that's fine, you know, because they did a season off. But like, yeah, she doesn't need to have a love interest every season. So, yes, I think that was good. And again, I think because we have a woman showrunner, I think we're seeing... You know, some of those tropes fall by the wayside that, you know, people are kind of sick of seeing because, yeah, you don't have to have the woman as always the lovesick puppy. Because that's how cars come off all three seasons so far. Either lovesick over Jimmy or lovesick over, you know, Monel. So, you know, it's good to have her just be like her own person without worrying about her relationship. But yeah, uh, so Mike, what do you think about Red Daughter and uh, or Mike <laughs> Mike Gordon? Yeah, <laughs> Mike Gordon. What do you think about Red Daughter and uh, and Kara this season? 
I uh, I like the storyline overall, uh, especially more on the Red Daughter side. Uh, I thought, you know, I don't think Melissa gets enough credit. Um, I think uh, at one point in the last three seasons, I think she played like she was infected with red kryptonite or something, and she was kind of the bad version. Or yes. actually in the Crisis, um, like from Crisis on Earth X or whatever, that one, um, she plays a bad version, and it wasn't quite... She wasn't quite good, as great as selling it as I think a lot of people wanted her to be. But here she gets to play not necessarily an evil version of herself, but just a different version, uh, one that's uh, obviously being groomed by Lex. So I like that element of it. I was really sorry to see Red Daughter like die uh, at the end. I thought it would be nice to have her around still, but I guess you don't want two superpower beings. And, and to that note, I think... I think you made a good point as far as uh, Kara and Supergirl's arc being kind of dull. I think they had a really great opportunity here to show, uh, you know, the the D.O. doesn't want to have anything to do with her. Actually, you know, through events, uh, you know, Superman leaves her. She doesn't have, you know, obviously she doesn't have Cat anymore. Uh, Jimmy and and, um, uh, Lena are doing their own thing. Um, she doesn't have her sister anymore. She and, and and ultimately the president himself declares war on her and, and says, you know, and so there was an opportunity to make her like completely isolated and completely alone. And therefore, I thought that would have been a really interesting uh, story arc for her to come out of that. And, and be relatable to Red Daughter. Like, just like, this is what it's like when you don't have anybody, but yet I still have my beliefs, you know, that kind of thing. And I think they could have worked on that a little bit better and given her something a better story arc. Instead, like, I think everything was just, again, nicely tied up in a bow. And even the things that happened to her that were supposed to be devastating, you know, she still had her job at Ketka. She still had a nice apartment. She still had, you know, she didn't, re- I never really felt like she still had her, you know, she was still working cases with um, uh, John. So I, I never really felt like she was really um, um, hindered by any of that. Um, even when she couldn't operate as Supergirl anymore, I kind of felt like, like I'm like, what's she going to do, become the blur? Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, small, Smallville joke. Um, but uh, <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> but um, I, I think they could have really done a little bit more with her and, and kind of given her better arc that way. Um, and it's just sort of, a, it's a shame because I think one of the reason, one of the things that I dislike about um, a lot of the the trends that the CW type shows have is that they take a character that's supposed to be like the star of the show and they water them down with a, a, a whole team of characters that are sometimes not necessary and they kind of forget like oh we should really concentrate on the main character at some point and and I think Supergirl suffered a little bit from that this season yeah I do miss the idea of the superhero with just supporting characters because it's like now all the supporting characters also have to be superheroes so it's like it's... yeah everything's like team Arrow or team Flash or team Supergirl or team like you know like they're, they're not supposed to like especially Arrow it shouldn't be a team show, but it's just one of those things where I, I think that's just a trend that you see with a lot of TV shows now. So, Mike Nelson, what did you think about uh, Supergirl and Red Daughter? When I first heard that we were going to get a Red Daughter uh, 
again, first off, Red Dar Krypton's like, oh, ooh, Red Red Lantern, Red Lantern's like, oh wait, it's Red, oh it's Red Sun Supergirl. Oh, well, that's a different take. Let's see how it goes. And it was actually pretty, pretty tease worthy, pretty tease worthy. Uh, I absolutely love the the backstory for Red Daughter too, because uh, I, I certainly missed that part last season when that when the Heron L all happened uh, to create her. Uh, for Kara, it I I go back to Man of Steel, which I understand where Zack Snyder was going with with that darker undertone, more realistic. But seeing that Superman, that was not a man of hope. Seeing Kara go against trying to go against the uh, not truly bring violence, trying to stop Manchester Black, trying to breathe it, be the spirit of hope for humans and for aliens. I'm like you. You are the woman of hope. This is the encapsulation of exactly what Superman breathes every day. And I and, and that's why I held on to the strongest with Carr on this on this season. That we had some of it in the previous seasons, but this one, because she was the, the odds were completely stacked against her. And when the DEO episode happened where she just left, I it, I, I didn't know where it was gonna go. I honestly didn't know. I felt I felt that for 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 love and country or something she was going to say it she was going to say her name, but she she held to her convictions to really truly protect everybody and I loved how she's like if I say my name all my enemies are gonna go with my family we're the U S military we got your back it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah okay, yeah see how that works out so she so she left and I found that to be the strongest character decision that Kara has honestly probably ever pulled off uh, while this season's been going. And and everyone having to, everyone having her back, that small group of people, it's like, hell yeah, Team Supergirl. Everyone having their mind wiped, you stupid alien squishy bad. Just bad. But I was shocked that Lex had known her identity all this time and hadn't said anything. You know, it's one of those things where... Then I remembered that the mom found out in season two, and and I realized that, oh yeah, the mom's known all this time and hasn't done anything. It's like, and that's how Lex knows. Okay, I I got it. But, you know, it was kind of... That was such a crazy callback, you know, and and that was was interesting to me that, that... you know, because that led to a lot of the manipulation that happened. Yeah, I mean, Lex Lex is, has his treasure trove of, of blackmail, and that's a pretty good blackmail. Because I I I saw it coming, and at the same time, I was like, "Damn, dude, you didn't have to do that." But Sakara and and Red Daughter coming coming at odds with one another, that was that was a a pretty intense fight, and even. That really just goes back to even back in the day with how Russians really see Americans. Like, oh, look at this. When she walks through Kara's apartment. It's like, this is a big apartment for one girl. It's so messy, unorganized. It's like, wow, can you just, can you just, we, we struggle every day, please. Okay, it's, it's, it's rough to be alive, please. Okay, God. <laughs> and, and just and then seeing the copy of that apartment, it, this was probably like the probably the best Bizarro episode we probably have ever gotten was Bizarro Supergirl. 
<laughs> well, I mean, it was cool because it's like you can tell she's fascinated by it, but she's been taught that it's horrible and decadent and all this kind of stuff. So it's it, it was it's kind of interesting. I like the psychology of it, you know, and, and and how this really is the same person, even though she has different life experiences and has been taught a different way. Yeah, I'm I, the, the, the geek and, and fan in me wish that we would have actually saw more of Red Daughter in this season. And they packed a lot in this season uh, to even just now add Lex and a, a Red Son, a Red Daughter storyline. It's I really wish that we would have gotten more from that. But what, but what we got in this season, I absolutely, I really do like it. They, they did a good job with uh, with Red Daughter. Yeah, no, I liked her. I liked the sort of naivete that they gave to it. And you know Lex is just using her and is going to betray her as soon as he gets what he wants. Because he doesn't want anybody that powerful, you know, around. But he'll use her to get, you know, things, you know, going his way. Um and uh, and I liked her conflict with Kara, and I liked how Lex was teaching her ideologically, and how that created the conflict with Kara. Um, you know, I think like the no miniskirt, you know, like you're just a stupid girl in a miniskirt or whatever, like line is why the redesigned costume, if you've seen it for next season, does not have the skirt. She's got pants. Yeah, she's got pants. And and no wonder where on the outside. But but. Does it have pockets? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to, oh, I need to make that tweet. What fascinates me about that costume or that look is that she looks also about like 20 years older. So I'm wondering if that's going to lead to a storyline shift in writing Kara older. Uh, hopefully <laughs> a little more mature, but yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, that this, they continue the progression with car. Cause yeah, like I said before, I liked the, the direction they went. I think with the thing with Alex, I would have liked to have seen a more antagonistic Alex that doesn't remember why she's been working with Supergirl so closely all this time for a longer, you know, it like lasted like two or three episodes. And then Alex, even though she still didn't remember was on board again with, Oh yeah, let's hang out super, you know, like, let's do all these things together. And, I completely trust you and everything, and I, I would have liked that to go a little bit longer, but I think that, you know, especially, like, when she was in prison and she met with that guy who was, like, you know, free press and all that kind of stuff, and his sort of attitude and mindset when she started to realize that, you know, as Supergirl, she's coming in there heavy-handed with all this power, and that really that's not the touch that you always need for every situation, because we've talked about that before. I think it was in season two, there was the episode where she needed to rescue Alex, and um, oh, I can't remember her name anymore, but Alex's girlfriend um, from back then, uh, Maggie. You know, Maggie was the one that was chastising Carl for always rushing in, like, you know, with her fists and everything. And you thought that was going to be an episode that led to a realization that maybe Kara needs to listen to other people from time to time. But that episode ended completely the opposite direction. You know, like, at the end of the day, Kara was right and everybody else was wrong. You know, and and so I'm glad that we actually had an episode where we actually where Kara actually came to that realization that she's like, wait a minute, I I, I Kara Danvers in this case is more important than Supergirl. You know, and I like the fact that they showed that Kara prioritizing the, her activities as Supergirl and Kara was hurting her relationship with Lena before Lena finds out anything. You know, she was damaging her relationship with Lena by kind of ignoring like what Lena was going or she was she figured she was doing it because she was there as Supergirl and thing, not thinking about the fact that Lena only sees it as Supergirl is there, not as Kara. And so I liked again that that was something that she was mishandling the situation. 
Um, so I thought that it was all good development. I was glad to see them, you know, at least chipping away at the perfection of the Kara character um, and letting her be, you know, more human in her interaction, um, you know, and more fallible. Um, so I, I thought that was all good. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, next season and hopefully the, they continue progressing in that in that direction. I think we'd be completely remiss if we did not talk about Lena. I I never thought they were going to go here uh, with her. And Mike, I know that you've met Mike Gordon. I know that in the past you've mentioned that you really like her. So why don't we start with you on the Lena uh, discussion? What did you what do you think of how of her arc this season? It's kind of frustrating. I mean, I, I thought, you know, she does a great job. The actress does a great job. And I think that uh, they've they've done a great job in, in sort of like um, sort of having her walk that line where she could go bad at any any instance. Right. And she keeps having they keep giving her reasons to and she keeps backing off, you know, that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, finally she saw the light and figured out that Jimmy Olsen is just a boring dude. So she dumped him. So that was good. Uh, I can understand that completely. And and, you know, it's like it's one of those things, too, at the very end where. You know, she's in that room with all of her quote unquote friends and you realize she's the only one that doesn't know. Right. She's the only one. And you're kind of like, do you think as a as a as a show, as story wise, have they given us justification for her not knowing? Uh, because obviously that's that's you know going to be fuel for going ahead with her um, and now she's you know uh, I think the last time we see her she she sort of smashes the 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 picture of all her friends right because she's like they're all laughing at me um, and yeah that's it's everybody knows except for her and um, I think that's obviously going to have some consequences. I don't want her to be the big, the big bad of the next season. I, I don't. I would like to see her sort of, uh, sort of still play around with being bad and being good or be, whatever. You know, a little bad. But because I don't want to see her go into full heel. Because to be honest, she's not going to be as good as Lex as a as a bad guy. So, mm -hmm. uh, and if your name's Luther. You kind of have to go there, unless that's her, unless the, unless that's the path they're ultimately taking her for. It's just she will be better than Luther, Lex. You know. I, I also think the fact that she was willing to shoot Lex though is going to go into all of that. Yeah. You know, like like she just did something horrible. Now, now it's going to turn out he's alive again, but she was willing to do it. She didn't know the monitor was going to come and, and fix him up. Well, we also got that weird scene too, where she basically has uh, the guy that's test that she's testing out the. Um, the, the the doing the test with and he ultimately dies and she becomes really close to him and everything and it's like i i don't know what the purpose of that was <laughs> because it was an emotional um episode it was emotional it was emotional to watch that happen but ultimately i didn't know where that was really like i don't know if that's really gone anywhere um as far as yeah they've done a lot of things with her that i don't know have gone with the way they want them to but it looks like it looks like she's on the path to villain yeah, you know, my my take on that was to show that even though she was willing to experiment on people, that she still, like, she cared about. It wasn't like she was just completely callous. She she wanted to meet the person, and she wanted to, you know, know stuff about them. So she was still human, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't just, like, a thing, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to create this stuff, and it doesn't matter how many people I have to kill on the way, you know. Um, I think that was the point of that. But I agree, it was a little ambiguous. 
Uh, Mike Nelson, what did you think about Lena's arc? The whole time, we were like, when is she going to be the loser that we all know and love? Right. <laughs> right. But isn't that redundant? It's funny that they're taking her in that direction at the same time that it's becoming redundant because we have less. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know because we don't know what's going on with uh, Anti-Monitor. I don't know what his deal is. I don't even want to know. I can't. Just, the whole crossover is going to freak me out. But with Lena... It really is a little bit shocking that Lena didn't know Kara's secret, but it probably also brings in the the direction that there's a little bit of her that has to prove that she did not care what Supergirl's identity was. She she had a rocky relationship with Supergirl. That, that in the experiment scene with Adam, yeah, she definitely that was an episode. That, for my interpretation of it, was she is not a true Luther. She started to. She tried. She tried to do is like, I don't need your name. You're a subject number. No emotional, no emotional contact, no stories. Boom. But ultimately, she is not a Luther. She proved that by that by that whole arc of the episode and, and really just feeling the emotions of that death on her shoulders. Whereas Lex, remember, he has a body count of how much? <laughs> <laughs> He turned the he turned the sun red. He has <laughs> he don't care. So Lena being not a Luther and this transition and it really wasn't even much of a transition this whole this whole season to me. It was just three like two or three episodes with Lex in her ear as Lex does to bring in that seed of doubt. And as soon as he dropped that, Kara is Supergirl. Boop. It becomes to, do I really know my best friend? And, and just like friends, you're going to have arguments. You're not going to have the best of the best friends. And, but so in my eyes, it's like Car is your best friend. But then Supergirl is that side friend that you're going to argue with. But ultimately, you're still chill. And obviously, Lena's not chill. She she finds this hurtful. And I thought that when she, when she got to the game night, and first off, Martian Manhunter was landed on thick. It's like, ah, the whole family's here. Oh, nothing like a good family time. Oh, God, this is so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but I, for, for next season, I'm a little worried for Lena. And even seeing the, the preview clip that Lena is 100% not cool with this. I'm not sure what's going to happen. And I... I'm interested to see if Lena is going to go full Luther and how she's going to go about it. At the same time, can we just like get some big belly burgers and just just be gal pals? Come on. What I think is going to be fascinating is what happens when Lena finds out even her mother knew. Because at the end of season two, Kara was worried the mother was going to tell Lena. And she said, no, I'm going to let her find out on her own. Because when she finds out, she's going to hate you. And it all happens. hate when mothers are right. right. Yeah, no, no. It was great <laughs> because, I mean, that's the thing. I don't feel like you should ever introduce something unless you're actually going to pay it off. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, and so I went through the whole next season going like they didn't do anything with that and thinking like they had just figured forgotten about it or ignored it but no they did it now and i was like yeah i mean this is exactly what she was talking about because especially because she was betrayed by I mean, the timing was also the worst possible because she was betrayed by miss tess you know she had been betrayed by lex you know who had lied to her 
you know, and so she was already in this mode and Kara missed her chance to tell her because Kara was afraid of how she was going to react. Logically. That's the only, but that's the only way I think that she could have undercut this if she had come clean on her own. So, I mean, understandably now, Lena feels like she's been manipulated, even though that wasn't Kara's mindset, you know, interacting with her in two different identities. I'm sure to Lena, it feels like Kara has come to her as Kara and tried to be her friend because Supergirl is trying to manipulate her, you know, and get what she wants out of her. And so that's got to really sting. So I completely understand how this could really, really upset her and, and you know, uh, how this could set her on a bad path. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with it. Especially since, you know, I mean, Kara's supposed to be like, you know, the, the shining beacon of goodness on the show. And yet... Like, she actively destroys, like, that the uh, Red Daughter's room and the pictures and everything so that her, like, her friend doesn't find out who she really is. It's like, that, I mean, she's actively trying to keep it from her. And that's, uh, yeah, that's just, that's not going to end well. Oh, I'm not sure that destroying the room was all about Lena. I don't think she wanted anyone to be able to use those pictures to find out about her. And so she didn't want to leave that room intact yeah but lena was right there. well no i know but i mean but <laughs> also but the idea is well even if she ever takes care of red daughter if that room is still there some cassians are going to stroll in at one point and go like oh this supergirl real identity okay you know i mean that would be a problem too fair, so. enough. fair uh, enough they would be more like why is red daughter off in national city <laughs> <laughs> um so uh Ryan, what do you think about Lena's arc? Ugh. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I like I like Kira Knightley Jr. well enough, um, but I, I just it, 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 since her she was first introduced in what season two, it's really just been Smallville all over again for me. Oh, they become best friends. Oh, they're keeping secrets from each other. Oh, we know where this is all going to end, and it probably will. Like you said, the greatest twist they could do is for uh, Lena to overcome her Lutherness and become, you know, a saint or something like that. That would be an interesting twist, although I think she's already crossed the line with respect to that and, and killing her own brother. Um, but I think it's still possible for them to redeem her so that she doesn't just descend into being a Luther. I, I, I'm going to be fascinated by what they do in, in the next season. I agree, because while murder is always bad it was Lex Luthor (laughs) I mean there's justification I mean certainly I mean I mean you know while yes in in any sort of ethics class I will say no bad Lena I'm also going to be like but it was Lex Luthor you know it's literally it's literally going back and finding baby Hitler you know (laughs) I mean I don't want to sidetrack this too much but this is my daughter and I just watched it there's an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Data comes to the realization that the guy in front of him will just keep on doing bad things no matter what and the only solution he said there's no he's like this will just keep going on and he points the phaser at the guy and is about to kill him now that they beam data out so he's not able to do it that's the same kind of thing the collector yeah the guy who was collecting yeah like rare things or whatever and so they even say like the phaser was in a state of discharge as we beamed you up so we know that data was trying to kill the guy and but it's the same kind of thing like when you know somebody is going to continue hurting killing you know other people 
does that make it justified, you know, to to take the law into your own hands? Basically, is the is the is the argument for it? Well, the catch there is if you can say, well, Lena can kill him and be redeemed from it, then it must also be true that Lex can be redeemed himself, and in killing him, you know, you're denying right. that no, chance. No, no, I realize that there's problems with it. It also requires that you assume that it is true that there's nothing that you can do to make this person stop. That there's no jail or whatever that they can't break out from or whatever. Um, so there's that problem. Also. But, anyway. <laughs> but back to back to Lena uh, as a character. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I've never bought from day one. She's always come across as a sad, sad character to me that she believes that Kara is her best friend. It's like, how <laughs> terrible has your life been that someone who is keeping so much of themselves back from you is your best friend. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, and she just like comes in to do like one interview with her, and then she's instantly like, we're besties now. Still they're BFFs. Yeah, right. you know? yeah. It's like, get on Tinder. You know, you can probably have better like finding a best friend there or something. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Maybe she'll just... find Maxwell Lord, because God knows we have no idea what's been going on with him. I would love, I would love for them to bring him back. I mean, yeah, they could do some like really like, you know, men's rights activist stuff with him, which would be awesome. Well, I mean, the other <laughs> interesting thing is, I like I said before, I think I said last season, what would be interesting is to bring in Maxwell Lord and everyone's convinced that like the shady thing going on is his doing and then find out it's really Lena. Or something like that, you know, like, so I, I don't know. I just I just would like to see him again. Yeah, I mean, I just, as far as Lena's concerned, I, I'm wondering how long they're going to try and keep us on the edge of will she or won't she? Will she or won't she? How long can they drag it out? It, it's, it's literally, it's kind of the equivalent of, you know, um, moonlighting, you know, will they or won't they get together? Will Lena or won't will Lena be evil or won't she? Maybe she can find Dean Kane in that moral ambiguity thing that she goes into next season, since that's where they left him. <laughs> Maybe we'll maybe we'll come across a, another version of Lena that's you know a saint or something that would be interesting. Um, it could be a nature versus nurture argument there, you know. Um, but I will say that I like Lena the most when she's science Lena, mm. and I, I feel like if she just kind of divested herself of the company and the ambitions and kind of just devoted herself to science, which is problematic enough as it is, but at least then I, I feel like. I feel like that's where the character really thrives. Well, I did like the, like, giving the mom the truth serum and then giving her the poison yes. and all that stuff. <laughs> Although it did lead to that the mom was... being like, but I love you. And it was just one of those, like, really sappy moments that I don't like. But everything other than that, I liked about that. But, but... on the other hand, it tells you that mom helped her even believing that she wasn't really poisoned. Right. And then, no, here's the antidote. Oh, you didn't really poison me. <laughs> right. No, you better drink the antidote, bitch. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That's true. We got four more characters, but I don't think we're going to be able to give them each their own, like, do. I'm just going to really quickly say, Jimmy... I think they did the best they could with Jimmy, making him, like, the focus point of them, like, as far as, like, somebody the, the Children of Liberty wanted to recruit. I think that that made sense because of him as sort of, like, this is a human hero. You can sort of see, like, the spin they could put on that. And I even like the fact that they showed that, like, Jimmy was dumb enough to believe that, you know, he could, like, you know, work with these guys and everything, and he could, you know, get to the bottom of their story and everything. And I was like, yeah, that's classic Jimmy. Uh, I'm also incredibly happy that Lena got kicked into the curb and that he won't be back next season. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. He'll be there for the first half of the season. Uh, are you sure? Because I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. The way I, I read that he's leaving mid-season. I did not read that. I read. I, I assumed he would be in the first episode and then gone after that. Because they're bringing in that oh, yeah, other we'll character find- to now be the new head of Catco. Um, uh, Win is coming in mid-season. Win is coming back mid-season. But they did say that um, Jimmy was leaving mid-season. At least that I saw. Alex, I feel like uh, you know they did the whole like memory wipe thing, which was interesting. And but it's too it's awful that they got rid of that too quickly. I did like her having to work with Haley, like I said. And I'm glad that they took a step back from the adoption storyline and gave her a significant other first, because I still feel like if you're gonna try to juggle the DEO and a kid, you need a spouse. Or you need a significant other of some kind or something. Don't make me repeat myself, Nathan. <laughs> That's too crazy. So uh, I thought that was a much more realistic thing, uh, a much more logical route to go. Brainy, I actually like Brainy. Uh, I I know I don't believe it after last season either, but he grew on me a lot. I think that he has the most interesting combat of anyone. Uh, I really love watching him just like just fail to connect with people's fists. <laughs> this is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> that choreography is just brilliant. He, he really was my favorite on that too. Like I couldn't, I didn't really much like him last season, but this season I'm like, I want more brainy. Right. No, I know. And I love in the, in the else worlds when they bring him in to fight the adaptoid or whatever it's called. Oh, that's adaptoids, a Marvel thing. I forget what it's called in, in DC, but Amazo. I'm sorry. It's Amazo. Amazo. Thank you. And he's just like, uh, he's like, thank you for bringing me here or something like that. Cause he just wants to fight it. I was like, yes, that is great. Um, <laughs> uh, although I will say I preferred rebooted brainy and I was kind of sad that they rebooted him. Oh again. yeah. Brainiac brainy. Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him in that mode for long cause he did that sinister. Like he was still on Kara's side, yeah. but he was completely amoral. And that would have been really interesting to play off of for a while. I think two episodes didn't really do that justice. But they've established this there, so they can it can happen again. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think Although, yeah, yeah. I think you'll they'll exploit that again at some point. Yeah. The um the interesting news was that they've cast a female version of Brainiac Five. So I don't know if that's going to be like a a crisis thing of a, from a parallel Earth or if he's going to somehow like do some sort of gender bending uh, in this season. But uh, but his sister has been cast as a female version of Brainiac 5, so... Oh! Was see, it, wasn't there a female Brainiac? Well, so they specifically said a female Brainiac 5, um, which is he's Brainiac 5, so it, it could be a parallel universe, or it could be gender-bending of the character. I have no idea, but... But there uh, there was a female Brainiac already. That's what I thought! Yeah, in, like, season one or two. I remember her, No, no, because... no, that was, um, that was, um, Indigo. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, although she's still on Earth, and they've forgotten about her, just like they forgot about Maxwell Lord and Non. Non is a blind, but he's still on Earth. Oh, 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 really quick, though. One of the amazing things this season, they remembered the desert facility. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I cheered. I was like, oh, my God, the desert facility. But they fell short of, like, having Lucy there, which was what I was hoping. But uh, I do want to say, to you were mentioning that uh, Brainiac's sister, uh, um, Jesse Rath's sister, Megan Rath, is going to play his sister. Uh, she and Sam Witwer, who played Ben Lockwood and Jesse, I mean, were all together on um, being human together. So, I mean, this is all connected. You could do like seven degrees of uh, yeah, Vancouver, you know, with these shows. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just really quick, Hank, I feel like, as always, Hank is underserved. 
um, by these seasons. Uh, they haven't given him enough to do since the first season. I did like him having like his whole mental communion with his father. Um, as always, the two of them together are just like amazing. Yeah, I really, I mean, he, he had some good stuff with Manchester Black too, but the second half of the season, it's almost like Jean was gone and uh, kind of disappointed about that. He's literally gone. He went to Mars. <laughs> no, I know, but yeah, it's like, but even when he was back, he didn't really have a whole lot of presence and a lot to do. So I still worry they're going to write him out eventually, but so far they haven't. One, it's kind of a budget drain every time they want to show him, you know, in his real form. But two, it's kind of like, I, I felt like, it's like he never wanted to be a pacifist any anyway. And like the first time, the first bump in the road, the first time there's a real challenge to his pacifism. So nope, can't do this. I'm out. You know. <laughs> well, again, I feel like again they're overturning bad decisions from season three because I always thought that was a bad decision, and I'm glad that that's kind of the arc they went with with him of his dad was setting expectations for him that he shouldn't have set. That the you know he is. Martian Manhunter, and you've got to let him do that. So I, I did like that. I, I like it. Just felt too soon. It's like he didn't even try. You know? <laughs> all right. So yeah, everybody else, pick from any of those guys or all of them or whatever. Say whatever you want to say. But we kind of do have to wrap things up. So um, Ryan, uh, thoughts on those four characters? Alex, awesome. Brainy. Even more awesome. Uh, Jean never gets enough. Who was the fourth one? Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just put it this way. I'm more interested in Kara does like the cape stuff she learned in season three than I am in with Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed the cape stuff was completely absent. She did it one time. She did it once. Yeah. Oh, did she? Because I remarked okay. upon it. I was like, oh, game stuff. <laughs> they recognized that it was really stupid and didn't need to be there. I, I have a real problem with her kryptonite shield that just covers, like, the middle of her chest. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh, well, thankfully Lex just keeps aiming for that one spot, because if he actually shot his kryptonite ray anywhere else, you know, <laughs> you would have a problem. Uh, but uh, Mike Nelson, uh, thoughts on those four characters? Yay, Alex, Brainy, I love you. I absolutely love that Jimmy is trying to find his place in the show i did never like guardian at all and jimmy was the first that it was a sidekick turned into a superhero you don't need to be a superhero to be relevant you could just be a normal guy and take pictures and when he took the picture uh during the riot that turned into uh, for that protest uh from the pictures he did there that was jimmy olsen that we need yeah. more of that I like him as the boss, but that picture. Well, remember, those criminals Those criminals broke the camera his father gave him, and that's why he had to become Guardian. <laughs> yeah! It's just like Batman's origin, right? <laughs> but yeah, supporting cast, they are still a, a great supporting cast. And is, as much as i not really a big fan of Jimmy, I am going to miss his representation on the show. And what about Jean? Jean is, I think you're completely right. He just misses, he, he wasn't really fully utilized. Man of Peace, totally get it. Manchester Black, ruined that completely. Uh, the episode with his father, brilliant. And, but I, he, he got his whole base. He got the Martian Manhunter Detective Agency. And I, I love that he was like, I am the Martian Manhunter. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you are, brother. Yeah, you are. I got a man to chase. Okay, we're going a different direction, which is cool. It's this season. The season's meshes, okay, let's do it. But yeah, I hope next season we actually see the Martian Manhunter Detective Agency really go full focus, and I, I really want to see some Dick Tracy detective-level stuff going on. No supers, just literally just 
detective work. Okay. And uh, and Mike Gordon, what do you think about the uh, those four characters or any thoughts on them? Well, as far as uh, Jimmy goes, I mean, I think it says a lot. It says everything you need to say that the most important thing he did this season, as maybe in the whole run of the show, is get shot. Right. Um, uh, Ouch, and... but true. <laughs> so, I-, I was really worried they were going to leave him with superpowers to make him relevant, quote-unquote. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that would have been, yeah, right. Um, uh, look, um, Alex is still compelling as a character, and, and I think, you know, the, the whole um, mom stuff sort of got uh, kind of annoying a little bit, but, um, and, yeah, I would have liked it if they had maybe done something a little bit more with the memory wipe for a while, but, uh, if things are going back to the way they were, then that's, that's fine. Um, and, um, I think, uh, David Howard, you know, kicked ass as usual, not enough of him, not enough for him to do, you know, taking him out of that role. They're still struggling to figure out what to do with him rather than like they had to sort of invent reasons for him to interact with his father again to sort of make him relevant to this season. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big Brainy fan, although I did. I was intrigued. And, uh, he, he clicked into uh, old Brainiac mode. Um, so I, I think and, and even the actor played that off really well, too. So, um, you know, he could be a formidable villain at some point uh even if it's just for a small arc yeah i don't expect that they'll ever have him go like full evil but i would like to see that personality uh resurface because he he was chilling yeah yeah no he was you know i mean he was he was really good doing that all right so yeah that that pretty much covers season four of supergirl um since we're going kind of long let's just um get to our sign outs but if there's anything you want to say about uh you know what you want to see in season five you can give that there so um mike nelson why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you online and if you have anything about season five you want to say uh goodbye internet and you can find me over on twitter at jeffrey right now you can find me over on twitter at this is tracks that's uh t-rex right uh you can, of course, also find me over on the streams uh, over at twitch.tv slash treksite playing different comic book-related uh, MMO video games and stuff. Uh, season 5, I'm really wanting to see the fallout between uh, the fallout from Lena and, of course, what's going to go on with the human-alien dynamic relationship amongst their society. Uh, it was something that definitely hit the season, and please... If you haven't seen the season yet, we definitely spoiled everything. Still watch it. You, it's, <laughs> you, you still need to watch it. You got to grit your teeth through a lot of it. But God, when you get to the Lex Luthor episode, it's, it pays off so much. All right. And Mike Gordon, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you and if you have anything you want to see in season five. Absolutely. As always, it's my pleasure. Thanks again for the invite. Uh, folks can find me uh, listening. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm podcasting uh, of course every week on uh, the Earth Station One podcast and that's earthstation1.com and uh, you can find out about my books and other ventures newlegendmike.com and as far as season five goes, look, with the CW, it's all about the crisis for me. Crisis, crisis, crisis i cannot wait to see how that pans out all right and ryan uh say anything you want to say about season five and let sign out and let people know where they can find you i'm not saying goodbye internet uh i, I pay for a broadband connection so i can always be connected you can find me at geekstranger.com which hey maybe there'll actually be content up soon um while i'm on, on sabbatical uh you can 
find follow me on Twitter. Uh, same thing. And uh, Facebook, where I'm going to try and get into more fights with Nathan in the near future. <laughs> as far as uh, next season goes, uh, more Cape stuff. Um <laughs> you want to see more cape tricks <laughs> i don't care about cape tricks i just want them to remember it um but honestly i would like to see weaker aliens it seemed like one of lockwood's point was that all these alien superpowers we need to level the playing field i mean there's got to be some aliens out there that are weaker than humans you know it'd be nice if like one showed up who like can barely take earth's gravity and needs an apparatus just to be able to stand up or something um, and lastly, hashtag more Otis. I love Otis. I'll take all the Otis they want to give me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned with season five, um, I don't want them to have Lex in the first half. I want to just let them sort of percolate with Lena. And part of the reason for that is that I actually want Lex to be on Arrow now <laughs> to be, cause you know, the monitor took. Oliver, I assume that next season is going to be them hopping from world to world, sort of preparing for crisis. And it would be so awesome to see Oliver be forced to work with Lex and to see, like, how those two would, like, mesh or fail to mesh together. That I just, like, the idea in my head just, like, is percolating with just, like, the interaction between those two. So I, I would love to have that. And then maybe just have Lex in, like, the second half of Supergirl or something uh, show up from time to time. Um, but I really like that. I want Kara to continue maturing. Uh, like I say, visually, it looks like she's more mature. Uh, it would be interesting if the writing went the same way. So I uh, definitely want her character to sort of grow up a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to, to see that. Um, and, uh, yeah, otherwise, I'm excited for Wynn coming back. Um, I actually really liked Wynn, and it'll be good for him to come back for an arc. I thought originally, when I heard that he was coming back this season, that he would be the one to design her new costume since he designed the first one. But since he's coming in the second half of the season, I think that it's unlikely because they're pushing that costume, you know, on social media. So I'm pretty sure she's going to have it pretty early on in the season. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, let Lena sort of develop on her own. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And, uh, yeah, very excited to see if, like, CatCo will be run by someone who actually cares about running it next season. So, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Mike, Mike, and Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Have fun. It was a blast. And that's it for our Supergirl episode. By now you know the drill. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to learn what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like. You can do that by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can visit the website 42cast.com. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also go to facebook.com slash 42cast to leave us a message. Or you can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. You can also contribute to the entire ESO network, including the 42Cast, by going to the ESO network Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO network. I don't have too much more to report this week. Ben is doing an amazing job, and as hopefully you have noticed by now, the episodes are coming out at a more frequent pace as he and I trade off editing duties on various episodes. So I'm hopeful that we will get through the backlog soon and that, you know, I won't have to record so many intros and outros basically saying like, oh, sorry, you know, this episode's like a year and a half old, but, you know, we're just getting into it now and stuff like that. So hopefully things will smooth out. We won't do so many television episodes we'll be able to mix in episodes about comics about 
you know, uh, movies and video games and other things so that we can, you know, make the show a little more, uh, have a little more variety. As I've mentioned before, I am headed to Chicago TARDIS this year. If you're going to Chicago TARDIS and you want to meet up with me, let me know. Or if you just want to talk to me, if you see me on a panel or you hear my voice somewhere else, that's fine too. I always want to meet listeners. So um, it always surprises me. I don't know why it should, but when I go to a con and somebody comes up to me and says something about the 42 cast, but yeah, I always want to meet the people who listen to the show and know what you like about it or what you don't. But that's it for this week podcast and so join us back next week when david ramsey will not be joining us and until then this is nathan signing off you have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019 Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>